Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 112. This is kind of a special episode um, for the podcast because it just so happens that this week is the week that my very best top fans are going through the very secret hallowed wide guided tour, um, which is just a cool thing that I built to kind of bring my new record to life. Um, And it's it's only going this week to anyone who has pre-ordered the record um, and also brand new subscribers. And so one of the things that's happening in the guided tour is um, the premiere of the 12 brand new music videos that I made for the record. And this is significant to this episode because today's guest is Ryan Margetz, who filmed and directed and helped conceive of these 12 music videos, which are truly stunning, magical, breathtaking I can hardly believe that they're real. So for the fans that are going through um, that experience this week, this is just an extra little treat um, for them to kind of get to know Ryan, um, a co-collaborator on this project, and, you know, really just a mastermind and a visionary. Um, I thought that... um, I thought that y'all would like to hear from him, especially this week while everything's fresh on your mind. And for those of you who are thinking, hey, wait a second, I want to do the Hallowed Wide Guided Tour. Don't worry, there will be other opportunities. So I have, um, so the best thing that you can do is just join the mailing list. You'll have to wait a minute, but at some point in the fairly near future, um, there will be another opportunity to kind of opt in to the to the guided tour and to get all of these incredible music videos and of course the music and there's lots of other cool stuff in there too um uh just a lot of um you know like i i want i i'm i'm so thoughtful when i'm writing about like where i'm leaving little treasures and um like little easter eggs and i just feel like I want to give all the answers to anyone who wants them. So um, there's lots of kind of, um, you know, just me kind of showing where all the goodies are, which is why it's a guided tour. Get it? So anyway, if that sounds great to you, just make sure you're following along. Um, And the other thing that I wanted to announce this week is that, so, so the way that I'm releasing this record, I'm really excited about it. Um, again, it's a concept record that is, you know, uh, um, kind of taking us across this imaginary, like this journey, this kind of trek or venture. Um, and I'm releasing one song per month along with its accompanying video for the next full year. So the, the record will finally be out a whole year from now in October, 2022. Um, and The second single from the record, track two, comes out next Wednesday, October 27th. And I think it's like one of the best songs on the record. It's been like for the people who've heard the music, it's it's been a favorite. Um, I think you're going to love it. I cannot wait for the general public to hear it. So make sure you're following on Spotify and and look around. Um, That song will be out on October 2nd or 20. What am am I saying? It's track two. It'll be out. Track two will be out on October 27th, which is next Wednesday. Um, And you'll see Ryan's video for that um, publicly, regardless of whether you got in in time to get the the premiere uh, guided tour. 
And then um, two weeks from today, I, um, I'll be dedicating the episode for that week to doing a deep dive on track two of the record and um, talking about what all the little things mean and kind of showing again where all the little goodies are hidden. It's my favorite thing to do. I love to talk through the the um, the breadcrumbs that I've left. So anyway, those are things that are coming up. That's my news. Um, but I am excited, even if it wasn't this week, um, I would be so excited for you guys to hear from Ryan because Ryan is one of my best friends in the entire world and one of my favorite people in the entire world. Um, I've been so, so excited watching him transition from uh, into like the kind of what he's doing now and we'll talk all about it. Um, he's just visionary. He's so creative. He's brilliant. Um, and also like in addition to being brilliant at his creative mediums, he's brilliant just like as a person and is like a beautiful, kind, wonderful person. Um, I'm glad to know him and I can't wait for you guys to um, get to know him as well and then to be fans of his yourself and follow along. He's definitely one to watch. So here comes a little bit more info about my friend Ryan. Ryan Margetz is a Utah-based cinematographer, director, and writer. Despite having a love and passion for filmmaking since childhood, when he would often write short stories and gather his friends to act in his short films and music videos, Ryan began his career in film later than expected. Taking a leap and changing careers from the healthcare industry to filmmaking in 2019, Ryan knew he had found his calling in life. He started Tiger Trap Media, his freelance film production company, and began writing and producing original short films, music videos, and commercial content as a way of practicing and learning his craft. The first, the, oh my gosh, words. The first of which, seconds, and that's in quotes, that's a title, that's the title of his first short film. Seconds went on to win multiple short film competitions and festivals. His original work since then has received recognition from international short film competitions, film festivals, and a growing online audience. Ryan has worked as a PA, grip, gaffer, and second unit director for commercial campaigns and feature films, and will be the director of photography for a feature film later this year, a major step forward in his goals of being a cinematographer for major, major motion pictures. FYI, Ryan is doing that gig this week, like right now he's doing it. So go Ryan. I can't wait to hear how it went. Along with his freelance work, Ryan is a commercial videographer and photographer for Lifetime Products in Utah. And I just have to say again, Ryan's great and these videos that we made together are so so incredible they're just like like arresting I can't wait for you guys to see them um please stay tuned if you want to get them sooner rather than later join the mailing list if you feel like just waiting around for a good thing to come your way um at least make sure you're kind of like following on the socials and you'll get one per month for the next whole year if you feel like you simply must delay your gratification in this way. Um, but they're, they're, they're really beautiful and I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm so excited. Um, okay. That's enough talking. I cannot wait for you guys to just fall in love with Ryan and, um, yeah, without further ado, here comes episode 112 with Ryan Margetz. Enjoy. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. 
As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. I find that it's very helpful for like self-monitoring. Oh, yeah. So you can tell if you're getting too far away from the mic. If I'm getting too sibilant. I don't know what that word is. Ooh, I like it, though, kind of. I um, I have a, this joke with Jed. It's like an ongoing, just like little thing to see like what kind of weird mouth sounds I can be making like at the moment that he turns the mic on. Um. <laughs> That's got to be, you have to make like a, like a super cut of all those sounds. He sends me sometimes, sometimes Jed will send me, he'll text me like recordings of me just like goofing around between takes. Sometimes it's, I get very embarrassed and I'm like, you should delete all of that. <laughs> That's, I do that with um, my friend, Mary. She's an actress that um, we have an ongoing thing where whenever we work together, I'll just send her embarrassing still frames, like in That's between mean. facial motion. <laughs> oh, no. So she's gotten in on it too and she'll do it. She'll send me her own ones. <laughs> she's like self-deprecating. Ugh. Yeah, I'm cool with that with sound things, but... Yeah, you probably shouldn't send me like really ugly pictures of I was going to say, I guess I could yeah. do that with you now. Yeah, you really could. <laughs> I have a whole treasure trove <laughs> of options. <laughs> Please don't acknowledge them to me in any way. You probably actually haven't made any like embarrassing faces when oh. I filmed you. I wasn't making that many faces, but I'm sure there were some really ugly ones. Mm, probably in, not. In motion faces are often bad. That's true. Um, we didn't have a lot of outtakes or anything though. Really good. Like... I'm I'm thinking in terms of the, the still frames like taken of Mary, and usually it's like yeah after we've cut and she's saying something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean sometimes like when I've filmed when I've like recorded myself singing and I'm trying to find like a screenshot to use as a thumbnail, mm -hmm. it's a it can be humbling. It can be oh, a humbling yeah. experience. <laughs> yeah, and usually the best ones are like have too much motion blur, so they're a little blurry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's hard to find a crisp good one. Ryan, do you yes. have any questions before we start officially? <sighs> um, are you going to still be my friend after? <laughs> I, there's can, like, can I swear? <laughs> yes, say all the swears you like. Okay. Um, there's, I think there's probably nothing that you could do that would make me not want to be your friend. Oh, I appreciate In that. fact, I was thinking... I need more people like that. <laughs> dude, same. And actually, I was thinking about this yesterday because I, I was in uh, Wyoming for a gig this weekend and... I just was in like this weird mood. I don't know if you get stuff like this as an artist. I'm sure that you do. The flavors might be different, but just like one of those moods where like, I just felt like anything might make me cry like at any moment mm. and or like have a really good idea. Just like right on the edge of like calm and peaceful and like so sad. Mm. <laughs> so, um, maybe just driving through the middle of nowhere kind of just triggered it a little. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking about what I was going to do this week. And then I was remembering that we were doing a podcast and I wanted to just tell you that I think you're like my favorite person that I've ever collaborated on anything with. Oh my gosh. And I wanted Thank to you. also say that I think you have like a really, like a unique way about you that's very special, which is that, um, you you have like a you have like a really beautiful blend of being like 
professional and serious and also like very tender in your work at the same time which is something that like I feel like I always like to do and I like long for collaborators who mm. want to like sit on that line with me hmm. and people don't usually want to well, do you like do you feel like that uh yeah that's I mean th- thank you first of all that's yeah. a an amazing compliment especially coming from you yeah um thanks. and also I mean it <laughs> yeah it's, uh, that's definitely a line that Whenever I'm working, I'm trying to balance because, you know, nobody wants a tyrant, (laughs) especially on a film set. Um, And then that's trending away from the industry. You know, that kind of used to be the norm is more of like a kind of a boot camp army style atmosphere. But um, you still have to be on your A game and you still have to be focused yeah. and sometimes it's hard to balance getting everybody to focus yeah. and still totally. and not being an asshole. You know? Well, and I find too, like, cause I mean, I think maybe one thing we have in common is like, we're both often like the project manager of our projects mm-hmm. and like frequently kind of like hiring more of the people that are there or, you know, are kind of like in a, in like a boss type of a role. Hmm. Um, and, and maybe it's also just like a gender thing, but I frequently find that like, there's just like, like, I want, I want there to be like order Mm -hmm. and like a clear, um, like defining of roles and like what we're supposed to do. But also like, I just find it so it like, it makes me feel dead inside to like make, to try to make art with people that I don't like feel like we love each other. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that, that. (laughs) that like tenderness is like, I'm, I like long for it Mm. and it feels like it's so Like I think all the time, like, and even just like, if I'm talking to my therapist, sometimes I'll be like, I just want to like work with people that I feel like I care about them and like they care about me. Yeah. And it, I find it to be like so dramatically elusive. Yeah. I think it's inherent in the project they're on too. Cause if, if you're on a commercial gig, that's, you know, everyone's there as a job, it's all business, you know, but it might also, it might be, it might be medium specific a little bit too. too. Like, and maybe just the kind of music that I do sometimes gets like a real academic and like broy vibe sometimes, mm. which is why I said before, like sometimes I wonder if it's like also a bit gendered, but, mm. um, well, I, yeah. I think like, especially people who've been doing it for a long time can tend to kind of get jaded and get one track, just kind of do it, get out. Totally. But I, I think again, depending on the project you're on, for example, it's clear from your music and what you've done that you care about every single note. You care about every single word and combination of words. And that's how I personally feel about my filmmaking is I do care about every single shot and that can lead to timing issues (laughs) when I'm trying to take gentle care with each shot. And so I think that's where some of that stress or um, kind of, stickler attitude can come out because when when you're trying to have like a tender touch with your art you're not wrong it's a very difficult thing you can fall behind pretty easily i just feel like like it 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 feels to me so rare that somebody wants to even go there like just to like extend that level of care Mm -hmm. and and yeah like toward the art and also like just between each other like 
it's something that I feel, and maybe it's, it could be like cultural here too, but mm-hmm. anyway, I always just feel like you're like really, I always feel like we're on the same page with that kind of stuff Yeah, and I really appreciate it. Oh, thank so, you. I yeah. appreciate that about you too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. It just feels easy and it also like, it doesn't just feel easy. It, it feels like, I'm. it feels like something that I'm really grateful for and also it reminds me that like it is possible and it's not just like yeah. a weird like pipe dream that like there can be like actual care yeah and like um you have to find your people and yeah i feel like you have to yeah it probably just takes time and patience time but you have to people. find people yeah. I, don't, I don't know very many people that i feel like <laughs> that, that, that care about what you're doing yeah he's with yeah okay now we'll start from the beginning. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I will keep all of that, but I always ask everybody at the beginning to tell me what they were like as a creative child. Hmm. A boring little kid. <laughs> um, There's no way that's true. Uh, I probably was pretty boring. I, I was pretty quiet and yeah. uh, introverted as a kid. What was going on in your mind? A lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, yeah. I've been a thinker from a very young age. I've always been curious and yeah. What, like, tell me what you remember. Like, like, I'd love to know, like, what you remember of, like, how it felt like just from, like, your mind in the world as a kid. Just what in was, general? Yeah, like, being a kid. what felt, um, I mean, I think the stuff that I'm, like, most interested in is maybe, like, what, what kind of things, like, were you valuing or paying attention to? What kinds of things, like, and, and especially the kinds of things that maybe, like, you would draw back to like early origins of like what you consider like your creativity now Hmm. rather than like outward evidence maybe that other people would point to, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, what, how were you kind of maybe getting in touch with like your creative mind? I'm not sure actually where it came from, but I, I do remember always having a desire to create something. So I, I do have very, um, clear memories of writing short stories at a very early age. And when, you know, the, the question they would ask kids of like, what do you want to be when you grow up? My two answers I still remember were always, I want to be a cartoonist and an inventor and which is I'm killing it now. I'm I'm (laughs) an inventor (laughs) cartoonist. That's that's why you're interviewing me. (laughs) I always wanted to be a Marine biologist when Mm. I was a kid. But I also think that's very like it just Art Vandalay. It it what? You and Art Vandalay. Yeah. George Costanza. <laughs> it le- that yes. It leads it it um I feel like it implies like a certain amount of like daydreaming or something. Mm. Like it's like this kind of I feel like marine biology to like a, a child is like a fantasy like yeah, it's a it's a fantasy. Like, yeah, kind I'm of gonna a... swim with dolphins all day. Exactly. And yeah, how to speak whale. So when you were little and you like felt this like desire to be creative, do you remember like, do you remember like why like was was it like something in the vein of like I like people who create things and I want to be that kind of a person? Was it like I just have an idea and I like want to? Do you remember kind of what the motivation felt like? I think it was just imagination. I think yeah. uh, uh, it was a place for me to just do whatever I wanted. I grew up in a religious home, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as you know. And uh, not that our home was necessarily rigid yeah. in any way. Um, I have a very creative family. You yeah. know, my, my dad and my siblings are all musicians. And 
Uh, my mom is a, she would never admit it, but she is musical as well. And, um, Wendy, Wendy, <laughs> she plays the flute, Really, nobody knows that. Oh. Um, and she's just creative in a lot of other ways too. She's a brilliant writer, but really? no, nobody knows that either. Wow. Um, and so I, that was always encouraged, you yeah. know, just, I, I grew up in an environment of where creativity was encouraged. You know, we would have the soundtrack of Les Mis playing through the house all the time, Same. Or, you know, and, uh, they, my parents gave me opportunities to experience culture and, cool. and art. And my dad raised me on great music. And that's awesome. so I think that that just kind of was born out of that. And yeah. it was a, it was an avenue that I guess I just was drawn to very organically. Cool. So when you're little, you're thinking about a lot, having a lot of ideas and a lot of that kind of creativity is maybe just like you're observing stuff. Mm -hmm. And then what kind of mediums did you like start kind of dabbling in as you were like maybe a slightly older child? What were your first kind of... So I I got pretty into sports as a, as a young kid and kind of played every sport and was pretty athletic. And um, that was kind of my world, especially baseball. I'm left-handed, so baseball was kind of... I had an advantage there, so... I did that for a long time and I got to a point when I was about 15 and I had been playing on these like competitive leagues um, that were pretty high intensity for yeah. a kid. Um, and I just remember at one point I had a coach chew me out for something and I just, I just realized I hated it. Yeah. I absolutely hated it. Did you it. always hate it? No, I loved it. Yeah. I started hating it and I, it wasn't fun anymore. It was just... I was like, I'm, I'm not trying to be like a, a, a baseball professional player. baseball yeah. player, you know? And, and a lot of those kids probably were, but most of them aren't yeah, <laughs> shocker. Yeah, yeah. But, um, that was also around the time I didn't really know it for a while after that, but, um, depression became a big part of my life. And so, um, around 13 or 14 was when it really hit. And then, kind of as a side effect, I, I lost all interest in the sports that yeah. kind of took up my life. Um, but from that, I got really into music. I, I never really pursued music. You, didn't, so you weren't like taking any lessons before that or anything? My last piano lesson was when I was seven years old <laughs> and my piano teacher broke her back. <gasps> and so she couldn't, she's old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like that makes like it so better. Dramatic. Uh, <laughs> she couldn't get down to her down her stairs to the piano oh anymore. Oh my gosh. That's sad. So you stopped taking lessons just like, it was almost like a, just like you didn't like decide to stop taking lessons. No, I, my, my sister and brother are phenomenal piano players. Uh, my brother's a really good guitarist and my dad plays guitar and, and I wanted to play guitar. Yeah. Um, but I didn't take lessons from the guy that they were taking lessons from. And I then where are you in the birth order? I really I'm the should youngest. know this. Okay, the, that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. And then three older? Yeah, so we're separated um, by my closest sibling to me is six years older. Okay. So they're six, eight, and ten years older than me. Okay. So I grew up with older siblings who, you know, I kind of saw as my template for yeah. how to live a successful life and how Was to be that happy. Like mostly positive? Mostly positive, yeah. yeah. I, I would say a lot of who I am is an amalgamation of my siblings. I can imagine that being like really, really helpful 
and also potentially very difficult. Yeah. It's, it's helpful if you have yeah awesome siblings like I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm the oldest and also like, you know, I have major issues with my parents and mm -hmm. also like my family culture in general. But one thing that I struggled with a lot as a kid and, and I still feel this as an adult is like, I, I sometimes like really long to see like people ahead of me in life doing things that I, that can kind of give me that, like, like a bit of a guide or like an idea or some yeah. like inspiration. Um, I've lately realized that I'm like really, really fascinated by like older women, like mm. women who are like in their like 60 to 80. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm like just like paying really close attention to like old ladies who I think are like killing it. Yeah. Not that 60 is old, but no. older than me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who I think are just like cool. Okay. I'm just like, I've yeah. just been finding myself like paying attention Very to like cool. older ladies. I was thinking about that today. Actually, I really? was, I was looking at some, <laughs> I was looking at some still frames as one does on a as one does. Monday evening. <laughs> I didn't even know what day it was today. Um, and it, there was one of Robin Wright in Blade Runner 2049 and, and I was just thinking like how elegant she is and, yes. and but also how badass she is. I know. And I was just thinking, you know, as she's aging, like she's going to be a Judy Dench, uh, Helen Mirren, yes. like she's going to be one of those. That thing that you're describing is like exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Like I've just been paying really close attention to women in like that age group and just kind of being yeah. like, I don't know, maybe it's like. I, I was just talking about this with someone else, but like maybe it's like generational or like there's just a certain a certain thing going on culturally where like I think women are like just giving less and less of a fuck all the yeah. time. Mm -hmm. Um that's just making like it's just making me notice like women in that age group and just kind of being like, Hell yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. there are options and we can like we have things to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um what were we talking about? I don't know. I'm going to get sidetracked yeah. so much. Listen, this is my <laughs> this, job. Yeah. You just be present. And like, if the, it's important enough, I will get us back. This whole time I've been thinking like, oh, I didn't really answer her for qu first question. No, no, no. Still. I this is, I, this is, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Okay, just, you're doing it Perfect. right. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to my brain. Um, welcome to mine. <laughs> and also like this, I've done like, this will be like episode 115 or something That's like amazing. that. amazing. Congratulations. Thanks. That's so great. I've loved it so much. And I feel like I've learned a lot about like being a person and mm -hmm. being a person kind of trying to like be like, uh, thoroughly behold another person. Mm. Um, yeah, it's really enjoyable. But my point was just that I have practice. And so like, don't worry, I got it. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> there have been times when I like, really think like oh no i've lost it i don't know what i'm gonna say next and then i oh, i remember it mm. so you don't need to worry well, we can just not talk for hours and <laughs> okay. still find things to not talk right. about <laughs> yes wait what's that from waiting for government uh i haven't seen that most people haven't i mean i like christopher guest though mm -hmm. like i've seen all of his other it's movies i just like haven't seen that it. one that's why it's frustrating that i haven't seen it next movie night let's watch that i'm super down yeah, I've, I've seen all the other ones, but yeah, I haven't seen that one. I mean, I've seen like pieces of it on TV, like mm. in a random hotel room. It's it's one of my favorite Catherine O'Hara performances. The best. Yeah, she's just she's, amazing. she's hilarious. Um. Okay. Anyway, yeah, siblings. we were talking about yeah where you are in the birth order, and mm -hmm. I think I I was just kind of yeah wondering like uh, one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk to you about, and especially like knowing that you've struggled with depression, um, like whether maybe in your teens, whether creativity and creative mediums like ever got kind of tangled up in like these kind of like 
self-worth issues that a lot of people have or whether that was kind of more of like a sacred space for you? I, I'm going to answer that with something that I didn't learn until much later in life. Yeah. <laughs> we, as we do. Yeah. Um, what do we know? I, I, I had a therapist once who said that vulnerability is the birthplace of creativity. Yeah. And in retrospect, that definitely is true for me. Um, when I was a kid struggling with some of that depression, a lot of it was born, a lot of it, you know, was chemical and, and genetic, yeah. um, for, in my case, but there was also a definite element of environment yeah. and, um, I've, you know, I just felt a lot of shame growing up as a kid, uh, in the church. Yeah. Um, most of my childhood was felt feeling like I was like the worst person on the planet. And so that, and I, I think I would take out a lot of aggression or frustration in sports. I think yeah. that, that did help me that way. Mm. Um, but that had its limits. Yeah. And so I think just a part of me wanted to express that. So I, I was always kind of mm. drawn to darker material, um, yeah. darker music, you know. Totally. Um, I had a similar experience. Darker films, darker photography. Yeah. Um, but I also just like, I, I feel like even as a kid, I just always saw, I had a lot of wonder. I had a lot of awe, you know, I would see things. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I would see things all the time that I was just like amazed by, even if it was just yeah birds doing a cool thing totally. or, you know, just weird clouds. I, I, I was, was just amazed by all that stuff. I was just talking about this with Andrew, like a few, a little while ago, cause we were talking about that time that we did shrooms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <And> Andrew <laughs> was saying that, uh, Andrew was saying that he, he was like, I just like felt like I saw everything. Like, yeah. And I just, I was like, I think I'm like that all the time. Mm -hmm. Like that's everything's just enhanced. Like, we're the same. Yeah. I, I knew it already, but like, I suspect that the longer we're friends, the more that we'll be like, this is the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also, I, so that's I wanted to ask you about this next. Cause you are like, you're very, you're really visionary. Like you see things, um, in like such a beautiful way. And I wanted to know like when you, when you kind of started realizing that like that, like when that kind of, um, like presented itself as something that was like a part of who you are and from when you were little, is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, again, I think it comes back to, I had a pretty vivid imagination as a kid. I would write stories a lot yeah. and, um, my friends and I would make, I kind of forced my friends to make little movies together. I just, I just heard a weird click you and know, I just, some I'm, popping. Yeah. I just want to check it, but I'm right. sure it's fine. So keep talking. So yeah, it's good. It just does that sometimes. I don't know. I maybe need to get like new cables or something like no, that. Maybe um, it's just me. I'm just, no, it happens. <laughs> on you. Just, just messing with you. Um, you made, wait, you made videos, movies with your friends? Oh when yeah. You were how old? When did you start doing that? Oh man. I can't remember when the first one was. I, I would make like a little stop motion Lego movies all the what? time. Yeah. When That's I was like a kid. very ambitious. I was obsessed with that. So when you were doing that kind of stuff, did the like adults or older siblings, were, were they like, wow, Ryan, this is really cool. Or was it like, they just didn't know what you were doing or like, what are you doing or what? You know, I don't really remember. It I, wasn't important. Uh, was it not important? My, a lot of my childhood f felt like, 
uh, kind of like an only child. Cause my, yeah. my closest sibling to me, you know, when I was 12, he was gone. Yeah. He was 18 years out of the yeah. house. So I spent a lot of time yeah. without siblings in the house. Um, but this was definitely earlier than that. One th- thing in particular, um, that I do remember is my brother, Ben, he's my oldest brother. He's eight years older than me. He and I always had a very strong bond and, um, we have a lot of similar sensibilities and, uh, he, he kind of took a role of mentor slash peer. Like I felt like I was his peer, even though I was eight years younger than him. He made me feel like I belonged. He respected me. And that that carries on to today. Um, but we've done a lot of artistic projects together, but he, one time I made a, a, we had a project, I think it was seventh grade, maybe. And we like in school, in school. Yeah. yeah. And it it was one of those things where it was like, you have to do a project where you either write a paper or write a song or make a diorama (laughs) or make a movie. And I was like, yeah, that one, (laughs) I'm going to make a movie. And so we did this, this movie and I remember having, uh, well, I did with some of my friends and I just remember having so much fun making it. And Ben helped me edit it and he like, he's a computer genius too. So he kind of helped me figure out the editing. He helped me figure out like putting some music in and stuff like that. And so he, he really helped me bring it together. So the fact that he was like willing to do that as he was probably, I don't know, in high school. And he made you feel like this is like a, this is like a legitimately interesting project. Yeah. And he he wasn't just making you feel like that. He felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and he still does that. I mean, when I was writing music, I mean, he, he's like he was doing invested. stuff. He was recording music with me. Yeah, that's really um, beautiful. He scored one of my short films cool. a couple of years ago. Do you, do you remember feeling, I'm like, I know that this is like kind of, I ask this kind of question to people a lot and people like sometimes struggle to answer it. So if you, if you can't think of an answer, that's fine. But did, did you, did you feel like when you had these ideas of like, I'm going to do the stop motion thing or, you know, whatever, like these are projects that take planning and they take a lot of time. Do you remember feeling like you had any kind of expectation for like how people should respond to it or like anything that, or it was just kind of like pure. I was, I was just playing. You just wanted to make it. Yeah. I was just yeah, playing. That's awesome. Yeah. That makes me feel like the, this question of like whether, any of these like anxiety or like shame things were like getting into the creativity, like mostly not. No, in fact, that's kind of what I was bringing it full circle from, from your first question. And I think it became a safe haven for me of where most of the day or most of, most of the time I felt shame. I felt like I was doing everything wrong. I had these golden child siblings that were, you know, my sister was like, perfect golden child valedictorian everybody yeah. loved her you know brilliant my brother was more dark and introverted but incredibly smart talented um artistic my other brother was like social butterfly everybody loved him mr popular yeah and so i kind of had these beacons of like what to be yeah and i never felt like i measured up it's so funny because like you seem like you are all of those things as well thank you <laughs> yeah and it's just like i yeah it's it's i'm just still pretending to be each one of them perception is so weird too and like it's one reason why I like to ask about these kinds of things because like you know memory is really fickle and also like you know who we are as children is like 
maybe neither here nor there, but mm-hmm. I, f- I just feel like hearing adult creatives like reflect on their childhoods and teen years is just like, I just find it like really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love hearing about that too, about like artists I care about. Yeah. And it feels, it feels like kind of a precious thing to like acknowledge just like how your early relationship with your mediums, your early relationship with like creativity in general, and maybe also your kind of early relationship with like identifying as a creative, like just Mm -hmm. how you feel about it. Yeah. I think you forget. I, it took me a while to kind of remember some of the ways I was creative as a kid. Cause I thought, Oh yeah, I did that. You know, totally. I was just recently, I was cleaning my house and I found a bunch of old black and white film photos I took awesome. and, and it just kind of like triggered something else in me. And I was like, Oh yeah. man, I need like, I had a similar take some experience film fo- earlier this year again. when I was, I, I was going through some old things and found like some drawings and mm. thought like I used to draw all the time. Yeah. And then I drew that map, which, yeah, I felt which like is I amazing. Should... And that's Thanks. a talent. I had no idea you had. <laughs> I forgot. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think, and I think the, another part of it that I find valuable, like as an interviewer and just, again, as I'm trying to kind of like really like invest in the person that I'm talking to. And, um, I find it valuable to hear people talk about like, just like when people will kind of like, I'll catch them off guard and they'll be like, Oh, I also like did this or I did this thing or they'll reflect on something and that they kind of haven't thought about. And I I find that it's interesting to think about the ways that we take our kind of default creativity for granted sometimes, Mm -hmm. like the things that just feel like intuitive. They're like, I guess I wouldn't think of that as creativity, but it like totally is. Yeah. That feels like I said, I was just playing and that's, but That also feels like so precious to me. So like I ask everybody, what were you like as a creative child? And so many people will be like, I wasn't doing anything. And then they'll just like tell me these things that are like so precious, like Mm. such like beautiful little anecdotes of like just a tiny, like a tiny little mind, like tinkering around doing like whatever. Like, I think that's where I felt like I was free. Like uh, I had a lot of rules uh, growing up in a religion and, like a pretty strict religion. Yeah. And so I just was surrounded by rules and shame. Yeah. And so like when I did stuff like that, I just felt like I could do whatever I wanted. And it was like the one space I could. I think for me, like my, my relationship with creative mediums and creativity mostly was like really pretty pure, but my parents were so hard on me about like even that stuff that Mm. I definitely got some, like icky things mixed in. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but, but more, but more than anything else, like more than any other thing in my life, it was, it remained like fairly pure, like yeah. a fairly pure source of like joy and like expression and kind of, you know, exuberance. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It was, I mean, I was your typical like emo kid for a while too. <laughs> so I just like, I would love to have met you back then. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I got like really into existentialism when I was like in eighth grade and like was really obsessed with reading about what did that mean? Like, did like you, like, did you feel like you were, um, like I'm, I'm certain you were like genuinely interested it in those things, but mm-hmm. was there like also a component of like trying to kind of like individuate or like changing the way that other people kind of saw you and related to you? Um, I don't, I don't know, to, to be honest, out, like, where I, you fit in the world or something. I, yeah. Yeah. That for sure. I think I was just curious. You yeah. know, I just, I just was curious about a lot of things and yeah. 
kind of would question things or I would have a lot of questions in my head, not necessarily have the courage to ask them outright Yeah, from, especially from like authority figures in my life. But I totally felt like that. I searched, I was curious, you know, Yeah, I felt the same way and was, I think I was trying to figure out whether there were options. Like I think my relationship with like, did you know that like these things were like, church things when you were a teenager or is that something you like figured out in retrospect like just like the, what the, like some of the like shame that you were feeling like did you oh. did you link that to the church to like religion oh, back no. then no okay yeah. yeah back then it was like religion was the answer to, yeah. to cure that I you know certainly felt like that too but also had a lot of anxiety and a lot of like I don't know where I belong and like I don't know what I'm doing and I don't mm-hmm. know like how to reconcile a lot of things that I'm like thinking and feeling and definitely like, uh, was, was looking for alternative ways of thinking and being and Mm. just maybe trying to kind of think like what other options are there? Because the options that I'm seeing laid out for me, like I am struggling to make them work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, and I, 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 pretty sure I'm not alone in this, especially with our generation. Yeah. I feel like I grew up with a paradox of I'm special Mm. and also at the same time hating myself, (laughs) you know, so being told constantly, you know, things came easily to me pretty quickly at a young age. So I was usually like ahead of the curve Mm. kind of, you know, ahead of the age group. And in adulthood, that catches up to you pretty quickly and you realize you're not ahead of anything. <laughs> you know, there's no curve. Everyone has their own value and their yeah. own expertise and everything. And so I think that, you know, participation trophy, that you're special, the, mm. that kind of mentality of encouragement, which credit parents, you know, doing yeah. the best they can. I, I didn't have that. I was going to say, I, I know you did it. So yeah. that's why I say, <laughs> I think it's true for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just, like I said, just our generation in, in general, I was just talking about even with, with teachers and stuff, I think you know, the last person I interviewed, like just so maybe just last week, um, I feel like I also felt really special, like just intuitively as a child, mm-hmm. but my like gut instinct. And I, I think I'm kind of like reframing this now. It's like something I've been thinking about a lot lately, but my gut instinct, even as like a little child was just like, I just assumed that everybody felt that way mm-hmm. and that it was true. Like, yeah. Like, I kind of just felt like, well, of course everyone is really special. Like, what's special about you? Right. Um, I think that just, like, was something that felt, like, very intuitive to me as a little kid. Yeah. Which I think is why, like, I made a lot of the choices that I made in a context that was, like, really tricky Mm. with my parents. Like, because I think, I think if I didn't kind of just have this sort of, like, intuitive sense of, like, we all have really important things to offer. I would have struggled a lot more. Yeah. I think about that a lot. Yeah. I think I saw myself, I think I saw myself as having all this like unlimited potential of what I could be, what I could do with my life, you know, like, Oh, you know, things are going this way now. Then I'll, maybe I'll be a doctor. Maybe I'll change the world in this yeah. way. You know, I think everybody has a little bit of that in them where they think like they're going to be something great. Yeah. Certainly if you memorable. have a, like a strong imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, kind of putting yourself in the protagonist role all the time. And, yeah. And that's, I mean, but like I said, at the same time, I 
felt like I was like completely worthless. And so it's just a weird, yeah, weird kind of like cognitive dissonance to live in. Totally. Totally. I get that. Yeah. I don't think I felt, I don't think I felt that kind of like, I don't think I ever felt like really self-loathing, but I definitely felt and still feel a lot of the time, if not all the time <laughs> that like, like I usually like myself pretty well, but I have like no faith whatsoever that other people will like me like mm. zero. <laughs> like I just like walk into like every situation, just assuming that people aren't going to like me. Is that important to you? Do you feel like that's something you long for, even though you don't have that faith? I think I do. Like, I, I don't, I don't think I care about being like liked, but I like want to feel like cherished. Like, mm. I, cause I feel like, I feel like I you want to be valued. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I feel like I feel that way toward other people, like as a default, like it's very easy for me to like kind of love everybody. I find myself like captivated by people pretty easily mm -hmm. and like I I really like highly value like small details about people and I think I like feel a permanent deficit of that I mean hmm. I think if you have parents that don't care about you like there's no there's no filling that void yeah. like and that's just something that I think I like feel kind of radical acceptance about as an adult like there's well, no I think it says more about you than it does about other people that you have that gift to like yeah, be captivated maybe. by small things and people, but I, I do think that's not just everybody's like that total cool. <laughs> yes. That I do. My therapist said something about that to me a while ago that was just like, not everybody has this like capacity yeah. for care. Yeah. Um, which is why I think like I value working with you. Cause I feel like you are like that. And I feel like, I feel like it's kind of a rare thing for people to feel, um, like, like a, to feel kind of easy about like investing in another person emotionally. Yeah. I think a lot of people are like super guarded with that. And I just like wear my heart on my sleeve permanently. Yeah. And I have no interest in not doing that. It's gotten harder for me or it's gotten harder for me to do that as I've gotten older, really? actually. I, yeah, I, I've always felt very deeply yeah. about most things and, yeah. and care a lot. And I credit a lot of that to my mom because she's very similar in that way, which yeah. is a blessing and a curse um, because that's where a lot of our depression lives in too is, mm. is that deep feeling. Yeah. You know, we feel pretty it's deep. And so pretty precious though too. It is precious, but, and, and one of the healthiest things I ever did for myself was just ex learn to accept it. Yeah. And not try to change it. Yeah. But as I get older and I'm trying to, set more boundaries in my life and it's hard. take care of myself. And also as I'm just becoming like a crotchety old man, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I find myself being a little bit more like having more walls up and being more yeah. kind of, I feel like the thing that I'm like trying to do, cause I, I think about this so much. It's not the kind of thing that I just like reflect on occasionally. Like I think, I think about it pretty much every day, but I like, I, I'm aware that like, Boundaries are really important. I do think about that. But I also like, I love the feeling so much of like being really excited about other people. The like, I'm determined to not let anything happen to that. That's great. Um, <laughs> I think that's great. That's think, beautiful. Thank you. I think, I think though. I'm just jaded and I try, nihilistic. I, and <laughs> I am trying and like, it's not something I've like figured out. I feel like I get glimpses of it sometimes, but I'm trying to learn to be like genuinely um, 
like free about it where like I have no expectation of reciprocation. That's like a, like a true, like a true genuine lack of expectation of reciprocation. Yeah. That way, like I can enjoy like how good, how like warm and fuzzy it feels to me mm-hmm. to like look at another person and be like, you are so important and special. Yeah. And like, then also know that they like aren't thinking about me like that. Yeah. Sometimes I, I, sometimes I can do it. Mm-hmm. I find that it's easier for me, like with my students, cause there's like a clear, uh, power differential. Right. Differential you don't that, need, you don't need the reciprocation yeah. from them. Yeah. 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 But I'm still figuring out how to like achieve that kind of thing with peers. Yeah. Um, there's a, one a, a book that I really like. It's called Unfuck Yourself by Gary John Bishop. Wait. No, I'm thinking. I of highly recommend the audiobook because okay. he has a great Scottish accent. I'm thinking of the art, the subtle art of not giving a fuck, which yeah, is different. What's different. the one that you said? Unfuck yourself. Okay. I mean, I'm. Did gonna you be... hear that? Unfuck yourself <laughs> for the listeners at home. <laughs> um, I have many, many long drives for gigs. Okay, yeah, it's great. Up, so it's great. Um, but one of the s- chapters that stands out to me is all about expectations yeah. and how they're pointless. Like having any kind of expectation is, yeah. is just asking to hurt yourself. Do you ever that you like are pretty sure you didn't have expectations and like suddenly you realize that you did? Yeah. <laughs> it happens to me like a lot. Like, oh, yeah. I think I'm fine. And then like something will happen that I'm like, ow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. When I, I like after anytime I read that book or listen to it, cause it, I have multiple times and anytime I do, I'm like on this roll where I'm like, I don't have any expectations. Yeah. I, I'm like, I am like a cool 75. Like I'm just cruising. Yeah. I'm at peace with everything. And then like, I'll obviously forget it's, and be like, ah, it's so tricky. Why didn't that person say this exact thing I wanted them to say to me? It's so, tr- <laughs> it's so tricky. And I find too, that like, I just create from a place that like has, is a lot of f- feelings like, yeah. and I need all those feelings to create well. And it's a very, it's a tricky tightrope to walk to like Mm -hmm. need to go all the way there to like make things that I care about, but then like put a little bit of a cap on it when I'm creating with other people so I don't get hurt. And then I think like maybe there's just a certain level of hurt that's just like part of it. Yeah. Listen, I don't know the answers. I'm 33. What do I know? (laughs) In my opinion, when it comes to, I feel like being hurt is like the only way to have good art or make good art I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's definitely like a yeah not the only way there's but definitely in like, my experience it's definitely an important piece of it and yeah. i was just thinking about this this morning like i think i when i was on this drive this past weekend and feeling kind of just emotional i was i'm still like dealing with going no contact with my dad like i think like i'm still i'm still like experiencing like grief about that and i was just like thinking this morning about like just the way that my parents would always like talk about how I was like dramatic as a child and just thinking like, isn't that great though? Yeah. Like, like what's the You're problem? Like, oh, with I it? was a child. Like the highs <laughs> are highs and the lows yeah. are low and it like, so mm. be it. Like it's, yeah, I it's mean, so boring to not like, I mean, yeah, cool. 75 sounds fine. Yeah. But like, don't you want a hundred sometimes? Oh yeah. <laughs> don't, like, <laughs> and like, doesn't sometimes like, a 40 feel like a bit cathartic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I usually like thrive in like the low twenties. <laughs> That's kind of where, where I there's something chill. like really nice about like, just, I don't know, but it, it is like a very, very tricky, like 
I, I feel like the older I get, I, I get a little better at like riding right on that line. And then yeah. a couple, a couple days out of every month or so, it's like, this is too low. Well, you, you, you're really good at like, like your new album that's coming out. I'm one of the few who has been privileged to listen the to all of it. The first single comes out times. tomorrow. Hell yeah. yeah. I'm excited. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's, you've taken such a high concept and made it so intimate and, um, the lyrics are so good. Thank you. My experience back when I was a songwriter, I could only write songs if I was like crushed by a girl yeah. <laughs> or like, something yeah. else like yeah. that, right? Felt crushed really sad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, whenever I was happy, I couldn't write anything. So <laughs> and I feel like dashboard confessional, you know, like his music sucked as soon as he got happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do feel like I know how to get some depth in each you of the emotions. You have a wide range, yeah. You, you have the ability to, like, clasp onto that, and I admire that. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, but it still is, like, to me, it feels like equal depth in, like, each color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. That's cool. That's what it feels like to me anyway. It's like it's like a happy that still makes me cry. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like, yeah. All the emotions go to tears. Right. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> I know that's kind of how I feel with like filmmaking now is, you know, I can make something look bright and pretty, but at the end of the day, I still want it to have like, like a little, an a edge. Little dark. No, <laughs> you know? I totally, I want it to have contrast. I, I distinctly remember like, cause I don't, I don't think I knew that you were interested in film specifically. Like maybe I just had missed that. And, uh, when you, when you texted me, I think, and said like you were starting a film company at, I just was like, oh, well, this will be great. Oh. <laughs> like, I just had like not kind of I had some other projects that were already in the works, but I just I just know this about you that like you're you're never going for like a cheap. Like a cheap high. Yeah. Which is just I don't know. It's kind of rare. I appreciate my that experience. Um, okay. I have two more questions about your teens. All right. <laughs> so interested in it. Still in the okay. teens, tweens and in betweens. <laughs> Listen, we're not that old. We have to pace ourselves. Yeah. When I'm, when I interview people who are like much older, mm. I really have to like be careful not to like skip 30 to 60. Yeah. Um, well, nothing matters in those years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. I struggle to kind of know like what to ask sometimes. Cause like, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know that. what that feels like. Yeah. Um, but I want to know this. You should just ask that. What does it feel like to be 30 to 60? <laughs> to be 30 to 60. You have five Go. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask what kinds of things you were writing about. Currently? No, or, in your teens. Oh, in my teens. Um, music. or. Um, were you writing like prose? Were you writing stories? Or were you... Mo in my teens, not really. It was I was writing stories more as a kid. Okay, what um, kinds of stories were you writing as a kid? Oh, just all kinds of weird little stuff. Weird, like, <laughs> yeah, just weird little short stories. Just short stories. Like I I remember being told like from teachers really early on that I had a gift for writing, and that that comment has been, had been made yeah. throughout my childhood, and and I never really saw myself as having a gift for it. I yeah. just I just enjoyed it, and I felt like it was. Uh, yeah, I just felt like I could come up with it's like it's whatever nice I wanted. Friend. I feel like that sometimes about the mediums that I've been told I'm like natural at. It's not that it's easy necessarily, no. but it just, just, just feels like it. it feels like a nice friend. Like yeah. it just feels like familiar. Like mm -hmm. I can figure this out. Yeah. Um, 
And then in your teens, you were mostly writing lyrics. Yeah, it was more like it was more music and lyrics, mm-hmm. film things. Yeah. Okay. And then the last question about this phase of your life is when you were kind of getting to the age where you were gradu- going to be graduating from high school. How how were you thinking at that time in your life about like what you might like to do or what you want, might want to major in? Yeah. Like how are you kind of thinking about those things? Uh, yeah. This it's kind of interesting. I. I kind of have like phases of my life where different things were, which everybody does. Um, different things were kind of my whole world or, or my priority yeah. for a long time. It was sports. Then it was music. Um, throughout high school, I was really into music. I was writing music a lot and, and like trying to play, perform and stuff like that. But I never really, I mean, it, I always thought it'd be awesome to make a career out of that, but yeah. didn't really think it was going to happen. Um, I worked on our school's, uh, like television program and got into, I took a filmmaking class. I was really into photography in high school, in high school. Cool. So I was, I'd always been in, into photography and then really got into it in high school and got into the more filmmaking side of things. And, and th- did those things feel like comfy and, and easy mostly? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I wow. loved it. And, um, and it was cool. just fun. It was an escape. It was, it was like where I had the most fun. Cool. But again, Did music feel comfy. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of the same thing. It was a release. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I had good friends that I could do those things with. Cool. And, and that was kind of my world. I, but I to bring it up again, but like religion, you can bring it up as much as you want. Yeah. I mean, I it's mean, a big part of it. Cause that I, now looking back, I see it as something that held me back because it, I had a cookie cutter view of what my life was supposed to look like yeah. and being a musician, a, a professional musician, being a professional filmmaker didn't yeah. fit into that. You know, um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of risk involved in those careers and especially at the time, you know, it was, I know I'm not that old, but <laughs> when I was in high school, it was before YouTube, it was mm-hmm. before any kind of like digital DIY. success stories, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in those fields. You really, for filmmaking, you really had to either know somebody, be related to somebody, or start from the very bottom in Hollywood and kind yeah. of make your way up. You yeah. didn't have the technology you had now, and the 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 gate the barrier of entry was a lot higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't even consider it an option. Yeah. So I I knew I was going to go on a mission. I knew I was going to probably change my mind about what I wanted to do after the mission. Yeah. I knew I was going to come home, go to college get married, have kids and live that life. And, uh, I kind of, uh, I don't know the word for it. I still wanted to prepare. So I planned on going to Utah state after high school and I already had a scholarship lined up there to major in, um, guitar performance oh, cool. so I, and guitar studies. I don't and, think I knew that. Yeah. So I was going to do that and music therapy. That's okay. kind of uh, what I was leaning towards. Cool. Went on a mission. That's a whole story. <laughs> Came back and decided I wanted to do something more in the realm of like international business, even the state department. You know, I started studying Arabic and Chinese and completely different. I don't know any of this about Yeah. You. A lot more left brain yeah. track, you know. Cool. And, uh, so yeah, it, a lot of the kind of, I, I kind of see it as a piece of me dying, you know, uh, mm-hmm. during that time where 
what I truly wanted to do. It's so sad. Dimmed a lot. It makes me feel so sad. Like I, I was also talking about this with someone the other day, but I, I majored in jazz studies, which would look like I was pursuing the creative thing. Yeah. But I think emotionally I went through something really similar. Like I, I was very focused on like the acad, like the academia of it all. Mm-hmm. I thought like I'll be a professor or, you know, I'll just teach lessons. Like, I don't know. Like I was doing a whole lot of like bargaining yeah. in my own mind. Um, to kind of justify. Yes. Doing it. Yeah. Yes. Like it was so painful. Like when I, when I think back to like what it felt like to be like in my brain between the ages of like 18 and 23, like it was, it was really sad. I was like very sad during Hmm. that time. And like, I think I also experienced a lot of like, I'm right here in this like beautiful program with all these creatives and I'm not allowed to really touch it. Like I, I yeah. felt a lot like I'm not allowed to really invest like all of my peers are investing because like that's not what my life is going to look mm. like. Like I'm not allowed to like really be immersed. Yeah. Um. Like I, I definitely like be. felt like I kept like an emotional boundary. Yeah. And I would have these like little moments of like such bliss and like such exuberance, like, you know, making music with like these really amazing peers and amazing professors and then would like just get hit with like such a wave of grief of like, mm. I don't get to stay in this. Ugh. Like just, just keeping it like at arm's length. Yeah. Which was also just like sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's so sad. Cause it's, we're just taught like, yeah. Like robs security you of and safety and it's, it's miserable. It's, <laughs> it's, it is yeah. like, I, I ta- I've said this, like I interviewed, um, a guy, I, I want to say, it's like episode 102 or something, but, um, Alan Michael, do you know every single episode by number? Not even who? remotely. <laughs> like, okay, I'm like, this so might've bomb. been somewhere in the sixties. Like if I feels like, like this was episode 75 <laughs> and it was at minute two Oh three. But Alan Michael is the local jazz musician. He's a saxophone player and someone who I kind of like look up to and admire. And we were talking about this idea of like risk in creative fields and, mm. I was asking him if like anybody in his life kind of like was a naysayer about like, you know, and he's just said something. It was just like so perfectly simple, but he's he like we were talking about risk and he was like, well, for me, the risk would have been a nine to five hmm. and like it's so simple, yeah. but it's just so like. Yes, yeah. like so many of us just because he'd risk himself if you aren't, that. aren't cut out for that yeah. and. And also just aren't going to do like our best human thing in a place like that. And there certainly are risks in like our fields and they're unstable and um, we're going to work weird hours and we're going to like work more hours probably and Mm -hmm. probably for less money overall. Mm -hmm. But like it just all of that is better (laughs) than like some alternative. And I, I wish so much that we would tell young people that and oh, and yeah. a lot of it's religion. And even, I think like even in the narrow context of the kind of religion that we both grew up in, there still could be more room. <laughs> like, Oh, absolutely. I, I just, think people have successfully found it too it totally. within the religion, which I commend them for. Yeah. But yeah, I tried pretty hard. Yeah. I tried. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know how people do it, to Wasn't be honest. It's like people who, it's like people in the LGBT, I can't, LGBT, I, LGBT um, community, community, <laughs> I can't, I can never, it's, Listen, a, it's a tongue it's, twister for me. It's okay? Monday night and it's bad. Yeah, I'm struggling. Um, so who, who stay in the church or yeah. stay in religion? And yeah. I don't know how they reconcile that. I, yeah. I admire them for doing it, but I don't know how. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I feel like it's similar with, mm-hmm. with kind of our worlds and yeah, I, I think so. I missed out on so many amazing movies yeah. growing up. Even when I was like, when I, I remember being in high school and thinking, cause I couldn't watch R rated movies Yeah, and that's not too uncommon in any household, but, yeah. um, I just felt so like deprived of like stimulation of inspiration. like inspiration yeah. and, and, uh, the, the greats, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I remember just like begging my dad. I was like, come on, dad. Like, can I just, and sometimes I would just like sneak them, but please let me watch Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Well, we had a copy of Pulp Fiction <laughs> in my house and I thought it was like some weird porno because it was, it was like <laughs> it Uma Thurman, like yeah. uh, laying on her stomach in the front, but it was, I'm sure it was my brother's, but I remember I wanted to watch the matrix and my dad was like, I'll watch it first and then you can watch it. Yeah. And uh, he let me watch it. And I was the like Matrix blown away. was the first R-rated movie I watched too. Really? Really. <laughs> we really are. Well, you know what's really sad? I watched uh, a copy of The Departed. Mm. I might have told you this before. And it was like the clean flicks version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was like 35 minutes long <laughs> and made no sense. Yeah. And I remember watching it and being like, this was best picture. And now it's like one of my favorite yeah. films. <laughs> Ugh, I, I think about this kind of thing so often too, because it's, it's more than just like, I don't know. One thing that I talk about on this podcast with almost everybody is like, I think that part of the beauty, if not all of the beauty of creativity is like exercising our creative thinking and our creative um, doing gives us the skills to like care about each other better. Mm. Like, I think it's just like a, it's like a, such a, a a beautiful expression of like the potential we have as like primates, mm-hmm. you know, to be, to do something more, to do something different, to do yeah. something kind of like beautiful and something that maybe doesn't make like sense, but mm-hmm. that like is this lovely thing and taking care of each other and being kind and gentle with each other also maybe doesn't make sense, like looking for common ground, but it's this, it's this, it's a representation of this like higher capability that we have. Yeah. And I feel like if we have these kind of common practices of like, well, I'm not going to watch anything that depicts, you know, this or that, it just teaches your brain that you're allowed to chop people out too. Yeah. Like not having this extra... Censor people. Yeah. yeah. Like, cause I mean, that is really what you're doing. Like, especially, especially when you're talking about, you know, a film that is depicting like a real life right. not that it has to be based on a true story but like things like this do happen mm-hmm. um versus maybe like horror or something that's right. like you know but if we're if we're depicting like realism and real people's experiences like choosing not to put something like that in your in front of your eyes is also choosing to like just ignore the reality of like those actual people oh yeah which is just like it feels like a tragedy to yeah. me you're just choosing not to listen yeah. yeah, I think. And and making and telling your brain that it's like okay to like ignore anything that gives you like 
a gross feeling. Yeah. Like, no, you need to have that gross feeling. Yeah. Like you need to practice being in that gross feeling until like you can tuck empathy into that gross feeling and mm. like maybe also tuck humor in there and like just humanity, like, yeah. cause things aren't this kind of like black and white, like light, dark, good, bad. And when you, when you censor kind of like what you put in your brain in that strict of a way, like it just like it, it's anti-human, I think. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think like we kind of talked about earlier, it's like everyone's default is comfort and safety yeah. and security and yeah. empathy is kind of outside of that. And so totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like sit in that like uncomfortable feeling mm-hmm. until you like know how to identify it. Yeah. Cause it might be like, this really does feel bad to me. And like, it's not something I want to choose yeah. to, but it might you have the also, right to not like something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it might just be like unfamiliar or it might be painful. And like, maybe you need to know that, you mm-hmm. know, or whatever. Well, and so many things are acquired tastes too. Like, yes, there are so many things in my life that, yeah. Upon first experience. Yeah wasn't for me but it yeah. grew on me and, and that, one of my that's favorite creativity things you know? too that's yeah. like something that we learn as creatives to kind of like look once look twice look three times mm-hmm. pause try again <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah that's a skill that like creative mediums are really good at teaching us that applies to people and to ideas like yeah. i mean individual people but also culture and like ways of thinking and ways of being and mm-hmm. I don't know, like closing yourself off from that entire like type of skill set is just, it feels like dangerous. <laughs> it feels yeah. like really scary. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, let's talk about like how you started kind of like rebuilding your relationship with creativity. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. I So I, as I told you, I like came back from the mission and kind of had different plans, different vision of what my future was going to be. Um, depression was still ever present and, and was kind of looming. Uh, and when I was in high school, I got really into, and what, one of the other things I got really into was kind of more humanitarian work. Mm. And it was kind of my junior year, um, that I guess for me, it was a way to to think, just try to think outside myself mm. and stop thinking about myself and try to expand a little bit more. And, um, my friend who was awesome, she still is, <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she's still she great. Was awesome. <laughs> um, but she was very involved in certain things and she was great about including me. And so she told me about this program where we would do like a hundred hours of community service. And in doing so we'd get like a, basically a stipend to, or like a mini scholarship to go on this trip to Kenya. Cool. And so we went, we did that for a year, then went to Kenya and then spent, uh, you know, a summer there, a couple, a month or two there. um, That's awesome. Working at a school for deaf kids, teaching there and helping build an orphanage and stuff. It was, you know, a great experience. Um, And part of that was we worked with a team of audiologists for these kids who were deaf and fit some of them with hearing aids. And I thought, oh, you know, this is something I could do. Like, this is this is something I could spend my life doing. Yeah. And so that triggered that in me as a junior. Flash forward when I come home from my mission, that kind of was out of my head. 
mm-hmm. by that point. I was okay. all like, you know, how am I going to make money? How am I going to be important and do something important yeah. and also be like a stable father figure? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, as I was like kind of going through that path, I still wanted to have art in my life and music in my life. So I still played guitar. I ended up playing for the young ambassadors at BYU cool. in the show band. And, and in doing that, we went on tour, stayed with host families. One of the host families we stayed with was an audiologist, um, mm-hmm. in California. And I, I thought, Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> I was going to do that. Yeah. And this guy's doing okay. Like yeah. he has a great house in California. Uh, and so that kind of triggered that again. And so then I pursued that. And even at the time I thought like, oh, maybe I'll still major in like sound recording yeah. technology to keep that music thing. But yeah. again, it came down to like, I don't know. It's like a gamble. Yeah. It's like you're just bargaining. Yeah. Just yeah. constantly bargaining and constantly unsure. And I just, I just had, I constantly wanted there to be eight of me that yeah. I could do eight different things and see which one was like best. Yeah. Cause I was just interested in everything, yeah. you know? And, uh, so I pursued audiology and, and worked, you know, in the, in the field of audiology for about seven years. Cool. And, and that was like my career path until I realized that it wasn't what I signed up for as far as the reasons I signed up for sure, it. I sure. wanted to travel. I wanted to do more humanitarian work. I wanted to have my own schedule. And, uh, aside from starting my own practice, that wasn't really a reality. And yeah. I didn't want to start my own practice. But in the meantime, you were doing things. You were doing creative things. Yeah, I tried to pepper in things here yeah. and there. Um, but it was pretty few and far between. I was still doing some music. Um, after college, before... So, again, it's funny how you, like... We talked about bargaining. Uh, how you, like, kind of don't let yourself how what's the word I'm trying to think of it's like you don't let yourself indulge yes in those things yeah and um so I had a job lined up out of college in audiology much to like that's what I was saying like when I was in school like I felt like I couldn't even like touch this thing because I knew it would hurt too much like all or nothing had to say to go away from it yeah it would break my heart Yeah. And that's, you know, I was still doing music in college. Like I was playing guitar for the show band. I was playing guitar for a lot of like artists and performing a lot, which was great. Uh, And I was writing some music of my own. And uh, toward the end of my college career, I started, I wrote these songs and I wanted to play them with my friends and we kind of formed a band. I had a job lined up that fall in Chicago. And so I knew I, this was like my one last hurrah where I had a summer to play music with my friends and have a band and we recorded an album Cool, and it was awesome. And it was just fun. You know, again, it was, it was no purpose other than just to have fun and like record it. So it happened. Yeah, so we yeah. could prove that it happened. We did this, I know that feeling. you know? Yeah. And I'm glad we did. And I'm yeah. super glad we did that. Incidentally, that whole album was about me leaving the church. Yeah. Um, but it so it was more than that for me it was more than just having fun it that was an an important part of my expression but uh yeah I only let myself have that like 
summer. Yeah, yeah. And then it was all business, you know. So you went to Chicago for an audiology job. Correct. Okay. I knew you lived there, but I don't, I mean, I guess I would have, should assume that that's what that was for, but Mm -hmm. I don't think I knew that. Yep. And then how did you end up in California? Same. So I worked in Chicago for a while in Illinois, and then in Illinois, (laughs) now then in Indiana for a little bit. Um, And uh, then they transferred me to California. Okay. So I lived in LA and worked in Arcadia. And during that time, did you feel like, Oh, this now I can maybe like dabble in some creative things again because I'm in this place. Uh, you can't not feel that way yeah, in yeah. LA. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just being in LA, you're surrounded by film, like the film industry, obviously. Yeah. And it did trigger a lot of that in me. It was exciting. Everywhere I looked was a billboard for a new film. I one of my favorite things to do was go see movies by myself. Yeah. And I just did that constantly, partially because I love it. Also, because I was completely alone, yeah. <laughs> and like a loser. I had adult braces. You know how that yeah, goes. I do. I, have I was, them a, now. I was like twenty-four, single with adult braces in LA, just just killing it. Yeah. I just like I can't, so, had so much confidence. I can't imagine brimming. you like not being very charming. So it's just like it's hard for me to picture it. Well. Uh, like genuinely, I'll like I, I have a hard time. <laughs> I have a hard time imagining you not having a bunch of friends. It was a rough time. I, you know, I was still in the transitory process of not being Mormon anymore, yeah. which was I'm painful sure and difficult. In some ways, harder when you're single. Like, yeah, it's luckily like I would go to the singles ward in LA, like in Santa Monica, and it's mostly people who are kind of in the same boat. Yeah, they just go for the social. Yeah. Um, side of things but yeah it was a lonely time uh, especially in Chicago I lived in a extended stay hotel I didn't like meet anybody and it was just pretty depressing did you when you were in LA were you starting to like have ideas for stories like were you starting to kind of like um, do any writing or even just like mental writing yeah I I've always done that like mentally written things down or I I even have a list of like film ideas from a long time ago cool um I just kind of like it's 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 gonna sound like kind of pretentious but I just like that's the way I see the world like when I see the world I'm constantly seeing it as a movie pretentious I think that's just like lovely yeah it's just like the truth of your brain which is like (laughs) as it should be yeah um and so yeah that's always there my I had a friend, um, Sir Rob Miramont, who's a really talented filmmaker in Utah now. He's back in Utah. Cool. Um, he's, he's done a lot of projects. And um, he was assistant directing on this feature film in Malibu while I was there. And I can't even remember. I think I reached out to him or something and said, hey, like, I live here and I would love to kind of dip my toes in the film industry somehow. I have yeah. no idea how. I, like, I have... I have no skills or no knowledge. I, I did the film thing in high school, but it was a long time after that. It was Legos. <laughs> yeah, it was Legos. <laughs> I have some really cool Lego stop motion <laughs> movies to show you that who knows where those are, if they even exist. But uh, yeah, and he was kind enough to be like, yeah, come on set. We'll have you as a PA, like a production assistant, and um, we'll do it. And we shot this weird... Uh, talking <laughs> this weird movie in Malibu. We were shooting at like Nicki Minaj's old mansion. Oh, was she like a thing back then? Uh, I believe so. Wow, she's always been a thing. I mean, she's <laughs> always been a, a Nicki Minaj or something. At Nicki, uh, yeah. So that was quite the experience. I went into it knowing nothing. 
All I knew was I'm going to work my ass off and I'm just going to be helpful. Did you get a little... I knew how to do that, (laughs) you know? Did you get a little sparkle of like, maybe I could do this or did you kind of... I loved it. I felt like an idiot the whole time. I showed up in like a blue button up shirt, which... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were like, you uh, need to be able to move. They're like, you, who, who, who is this kid? <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I felt like an idiot the whole time, but I also just like had a blast That's and, great. and worked my ass off. And it was, you know, it was like a 12, 13 hour day. Um, got paid like 150 bucks. But I remember coming home that night and being like, man, that was like the best day. Yeah. And still I was like, there's no way I could make this happen. Yeah. Like have, I'm already into a career in audiology. I have a degree in audiology. Yeah. I've invested all this time. You know, it's the whole co- like sunk cost yeah, mentality yeah. of like, yeah. well, I've, I've already invested this much. I can't, yeah. can't drop it. And so while you're like 23, I know. Right. I was like a child, <laughs> but also I was like, I don't know. Do I just start over? Yeah. And, Get it's paid so nothing scary. to be a PA. It's like, so scary. Yeah. And LA is expensive. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. even as, even with a great job, I was still like paycheck to paycheck out there. And, um, yeah. So it was a little, it was a little like shimmer mm. of it. And then I moved back to Utah unexpectedly. And my plan was to be in LA for at least 10 years. Yeah. And I moved back to Utah because I had to get jaw surgery. And while I was here, I got offered a job in Utah in audiology um, that I ended up taking. Flash forward, you know, I worked in that for a long time. And I loved audiology. I I was passionate about what I did. I felt like I was good at my job and I loved my patients. I felt like I was making a difference in people's lives. It was, it checked all the boxes of things I wanted out of a career. But there was just this like constantly this, yeah, there was just this constant like, lack of fulfillment yeah. that was there, you know? Yeah. How did you eventually decide to kind of make a change? We, my boss at the audiology practice wanted to do some videos mm. for the practice. Um, he wanted to do some like testimonials and, uh, I was like, I'll do it. Yeah. And I was like, jumped on it. Cool. And he was like, okay, you want to take care of that? I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And again, I still didn't know anything like, yeah technically yeah you know I had a lot of the subjective experience and uh know-how but none of the technical stuff yeah and so I was like okay if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna make it good like I'm gonna make it professional I'm not gonna half-ass this so I just like dove into research cool and just like dove head first um I borrowed my sister's like Canon 70 DSLR camera because I knew it could record video yeah um I think I used aluminum foil as a bounce wow. <laughs> and a light from Home Depot. And I shot one interview and I remember thinking, this looks like shit. <laughs> this yeah. looks so bad. And I was like, not good enough. I got to yeah. go back to the drawing board. That's pretty so resilient. Then, I mean, I think that's the point where a lot of people are just like, I can't do it. It's too hard. Mm. But like that, I think that moment of like, okay, try again. Yeah. It's well, like, it's an important thing to just like, I don't know. I feel like it's an important thing to remind like aspiring creatives or whatever oh, yeah. that like, 
you got to just. You're being generous because I just, am, I see it as like toxic perfectionism. <laughs> no, no, no. It, I mean, that's totally not that, right? No, like, yeah. But that's yeah. very much present. Yeah. <laughs> but for all sure. you inspiring artists, <laughs> go mean, for it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's, it, you definitely need resilience and Pro- well, persistence. And problem solving. Yeah, too, that's and all like, it is. That's why I love it. Problem solving and also like also having a vision and like believing in that enough that you keep working at it until you get there. Yeah. Which maybe there's a fine line with perfectionism, but in my experience, perfectionism is not productive. Like right. people who are perfectionists. Done like, is better than perfect. Y- yeah. Kind of, well, yeah. and also like, there's a difference between like keep continuing to work until you get it right. Like that's not really perfectionism. Right. Like, right. Um, like true perfectionism is like, I'm not going to do anything unless it can be perfect. Yeah. 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 I call it like productive procrastination too. When I like that's, want something to be so perfect yes. that I procrastinate. That's the that's, kind of perfectionism that problem. I think is like the problem. one. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But this kind of like, it's not good enough. Therefore, I try again. Yeah. That's not perfectionism, I think. Right. I agree. Yeah, that's something else. Well, I think it comes down to a desire to like. Right. That's what I meant. Like, I this, wanted A it. vision that you're just like, I'm so excited mm-hmm. about this thing that I'm imagining that like, I need it to be real. Yeah. It's, it's even like full circle of what we were talking about earlier, where to me, it wasn't, it was hard work, but I was playing. Totally. Uh, it was, it was fun and it was. It was what I was thinking about all the time anyway. I might as well put it to use in application. Right. And so, yeah, I dove, I became obsessed with like learning everything I could, reading every book, article, watching every YouTube video. And thank God we live in this day and age where yeah. information is so accessible. Yeah. Um, that was like 2018. When was that? That was, yeah, probably starting 2018 into 2019. Okay. Gosh. Yeah. Ryan, I cannot believe how much you've like done in like three years. Hmm. It's crazy. Well, it was all triggered by a pretty (laughs) bad event. (laughs) I mean, no, not a bad event, but part of it was like my boss asked me to do this. And so I dove into learning how to do it. I invested in some gear. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can make these videos. And I made the first one and I thought it turned out awesome. Um, looking back, obviously I do things differently, but it was very like, I'm glad I was able to do it with the little I had. Yeah. Um, and that snowballed. Yeah. Um, but before that, or uh, no, sorry, not before that. After the videos. After the videos. Yeah. Before the snowball. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I was following. (laughs) Yeah. I, I went through a pretty terrible breakup. Um, that kind of culminated with like my 30th birthday yeah. and uh, there was a lot of uh, nastiness there that mm-hmm. um, triggered a lot in me. And it, it was kind of like, and it wasn't even just the breakup, but that was just like the catalyst. The bre- the catalyst. Yeah. That was just the breaking point. So I had a bit of a, like a midlife crisis because yeah. I'm only going to live to 60 anyways. So <laughs> <Quarter laughs> That's life. Exact my, exactly my midlife. Um, and, yeah, I, I uh, kind of came to this point where I felt like I was a complete failure in my life. Um, I was burned out at work. My relationship had failed. 
I was 30 and felt like I had no meaning and purpose in my life, which again is so young, but felt so like old. It's we, we with get expectations. Very yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's like some of those ingrained childhood yeah. expectations still creep in there. And it's like capitalism too. Like oh, yeah. combine like hustle this, culture. Like, yes. Like this productivity culture with like Mormonism. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a recipe that's hard to crack. Oh yeah. I'm, st- I'm still dealing with that stuff. You yeah. Too. That doesn't just go away. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, and that on top of like all this unchecked depression and all these unchecked traumas I had, um, that I'd never gotten the help I needed for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I tried here and there. I dabbled in therapy. I dabbled in help, but never really got the help I needed. Yeah. And it all just like came to a boiling point. And, uh, you know, I had, I had been suicidal in college. I had attempted a few times and, and then, but again, never got the help I needed. So at 30 and after a really bad breakup and feeling like at a stop in my career, I, I was extremely suicidal and, um, was ready to attempt and, uh, that ended up landing me in the hospital and, yeah. and it was kind of, I kind of lived in limbo after that for a few months, yeah. um, where I kind of just didn't really exist. You know, I wasn't really at work. Um, my bosses were great about it, but I didn't really work anymore there. And I was kind of, I was in all this debt from being in the hospital and yeah. from all these other things. And, uh, just kind of a, a low point. And th- from that, uh, I started doing more of these videos mm. and thought, you know, this is what I really want to do. Like, yeah. this is the only thing right now that gives me like purpose. Yeah. And even in therapy, talking to, you know, when you're, when you're deep in suicidal ideation, a big thing that they try to do is help you understand what is worth living for, you know? And a lot of times you're, I mean, when you're in that state, nothing is not your family because my family was better off without me. You know, um, I had two things, my dog, but even that I was like, he'll be fine. And I, but one therapist asked me what's something you want to accomplish like what's something you haven't done that you still want to do? Yeah. And it was make a movie. Yeah. And, and that had always been the case, you know? Yeah. Um, when people ask me if money didn't matter, what would you do? I'd make movies. You know, that was, that was the answer. And so I thought it, it hit me like a lightning rod and I was like, then fucking do it. Yeah. Like who cares now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was kind of one of those, like you have nothing to lose. Just do it. Give yourself permission to do it. Yeah. You, you're so good at it. Do you feel like, did you know that you would be like, that you'd be really good at it? Or do you feel like as you started, you kind of realized like, what's it been like? Like, because you really have accomplished, you have done so much. I'm like, maybe you don't feel like that's true, but like you have done so many things and like, I've been busy. (laughs) You, you, do so many different kinds of things and you do all of them so well. Um, 
it's really remarkable. And yeah, do do you feel like you like are you surprised by like any of that? Uh, sometimes, yeah. I'm I'm more surprised when people think I'm good at it <laughs> because I I I've never like questioned it as far as my trajectory um, since, since I made that decision, since I, I, I say yeah. I give myself permission cause it, it's yeah. accurate uh, because it's just, I've, it's the one time in my entire life that I know exactly what I want to do. Yeah. And I uh, am fortunate enough to be able to do it and eat, Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> and that's, that's huge. And a lot of people don't get to do that. And a lot of my friends comment like how, it's so cool what you're doing. Like, it's so cool you're chasing this. Okay. Sometimes I feel naive. And I'm like chasing my dream at 30, I'm 33 in a month. But it's working and I've never been more fulfilled. I'm still depressed, but I, it's part of me. It's yeah. never going to go away. Yeah. And the second I appreciated that, this, I stopped trying to change who I was. Yeah. And so again, that in a way it kind of feeds me. Yeah. And um, it's... Yeah, I just, I didn't know if I was going to be any good at it, but I, I knew 100% it was what I wanted to do and that I was obsessed with it. Like, I've just been obsessed with it. You really, like, you didn't know you'd be good at it. Mm -mm. That's, like, a real thing. Mm -hmm. What is, like, I mean, it just seems to me, like, because I, I, I think I've watched a lot of the things that you've put out. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm not missing too oh. many things. <laughs> There's a few things but, that haven't really been released. Yeah, yet, but, but everything that I've seen that you've made is so it's so good and and also like each thing's so unique and it's just very clear that you have like um it's very clear that you have like some good stuff going on <laughs> and like do you like are you able to kind of like like do you feel it like more and more each project oh yeah you feel like this is really this is intuitive yeah, absolutely. And it's, kind of build confidence that way. Yeah, I think you have layers of um, confidence when you're trying something new or even yeah. if it's something that you've done for a long time. But there's like kind of the information stage where you're just trying to be a sponge and like yeah. absorb knowledge. And there's like the tinkering phase where you're trying mm -hmm. to experiment and see what works for you and what works in application in real life. And then I think there's just like the immersion phase yeah. where you're just like in it and you don't have to, you still think about it, but you don't have to like, I don't know. It's like a little bit more flowy or something. Yeah. I guess it's like second nature, you know, yeah. which like I'm not, you can I'm follow not claiming your instincts better. <laughs> yeah. You can follow your instincts better. You've, you've, had experiences that have given you confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, I know this works cause I've done it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that comes from failing a lot. It um, feels to me like it just as an observer and like, obviously I don't really know, but it, it feels like you're always like, you're always trying to stay uncomfortable. Like, yeah. How do you do that? Like, what does it, what does it feel like to you to like continue to like throw yourself like out of your comfort zone? Um, part of it is just, Anytime I get presented with an opportunity, I always think like, first off, I, I try to gauge if it's worth it or not. You know, sometimes it's just not. Yeah. Uh, but I do try to think, okay, in a year from now, 
are you going to wish that you did this? Mm. Um, I had that experience recently, like literally this week. Um, uh, I was offered this role as a director of photography for a feature film, Amazing. which I haven't done yet. Yeah. And I've been kind of wanting to hold off for a feature that I'm going to write. Yeah. But that's not really realistic. And it's also kind of selfish um, because I need to... What I what I really want to be as a DP, as a director of photography. Yeah. I love writing. I love screenwriting. I love telling stories. You I lo- do everything. I love directing, like but <laughs> but ultimately I love creating the image. Yeah. That's like that's where I want to be. And um so I'm like, no, if you're if you're gonna do this, you gotta make other people's stuff. Like you've got to film other mm-hmm. people's stories. Yeah. And so it's it's like it's kind of a gamble. It's one of those situations where you feel like, am I qualified for this? Because mm. there were a lot of other people who said they were interested, who are much more experienced and in my eyes, a lot more qualified. Mm. But again, uh, you know, I, a big part of jumping into this career was I've just got to do it. I've just got to start making things. Yeah. And some of them will probably suck. Most of them will probably suck. <laughs> some of them might be a little, uh, might be pretty good but I just need to do it. You know, I just got to put myself through the work and give myself a reel. So I have something to show for it. And that has led to tons of opportunities, which has been awesome. Um, what is it? Uh, can, can you talk about like the things that, um, like, and you could be like really specific, like you can talk about like, lenses you know or whatever Mm -hmm. like you talk whatever you want but like what are the things about what you do that like you find particularly like special or interesting or like things that you feel like are kind of like that you get really lit up about lighting tell me more (laughs) like what like what do you like about it specifically sure Um, yeah i don't know i'm just i'm just obsessed with light i think um like I'll be out with people or, you know, when I was on dates and stuff, like I'm like looking at how the light's falling on their face and studying that instead of listening to what they're saying. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, that's just, I'm just fascinated by it. I love seeing what light does and how it behaves and how you can shape it and what you can do with it and, and how that pertains to film. And, um, so yeah, that's something I've just cared. Again, it comes down to just like, what, what are you obsessed with? And what do you think about all the time? That's probably what you should pursue because it's the path of least resistance, but it's also where you're going to shine because you care about it. I think that's really beautiful. Like just to acknowledge, I mean, cause I think, I think a lot of people like upon hearing you say like, Oh, lighting think like, Oh, this is like a technical, like cerebral thing. And not that it's not, but like that, that this comes from just like something that you like genuinely and just intuitively like are observing Hmm. are like valuing like in the world. Yeah. Um, that feels, that feels important to note. Well, like even shooting your, your hallowed wide project, like we had two full days in the studio. Let's talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was 12 videos in two days, mini videos. Yeah. And it was, it was hard and stressful, <laughs> yeah. but I would tell people would ask like, how'd that shoot go? Like some of my colleagues and 
like, man, it was so fun. <laughs> like, I just got to play with light for two days in a studio. Like, yeah. it, was, it was heaven. It was really fun for me because video is super out of my comfort zone in a lot of ways. I like performing and I like telling stories and I like making art. But um, yeah, sometimes I feel like, sometimes I feel very like, just awkward. Like I feel like I'm awkward. So mm. <laughs> and I get like, um, I get, I get like very, what are arms? What do we do with these? Whatever. <laughs> you know, I do. I feel uncomfortable, but I had so much fun. I, it was so much fun for me, like genuinely to like, just watch you just like playing. Like I had so much fun watching you like just try things. Mm. And it, it, ma- it also made me feel like, so I, like I was saying, when we first started talking, I get really sad. I, I like when I think about the things in my life that make me sad, like it's like my parents and like feeling, feeling a lack of like care from like my collaborators and my colleagues mm. and my friends. And, um, I get, a, I, I get frequently like nervous, um, but more like nervous and sad about feeling like people people aren't caring like yeah. we're not caring about things together and it was so much fun and also just really safe and i felt safe and comfortable Good. knowing that like you were obviously caring <laughs> i just felt like i don't even feel like i need to worry about anything because like i feel like ryan is caring enough about this for everyone who's here well that was important to me that that attitude you had and me feeling confident that you were confident in me and that you cared about me yeah made my job a lot easier because that's so nice because i wanted it to because we love each other i was stressed out of my mind <laughs> because i wanted it to be yeah. great for you and i wanted you, you to get your value out of me and i the whole time i was like don't fuck this up <laughs> i'm not and i'm what i wasn't and am not and never have been even like a smidgen worried Cause I just like, no, I feel like I just like know the kind of person that you are and that you just, you just like, don't do things that you don't care about. Like, I think you just like, if you, if you agree to do something, you're like gonna care about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember when, but. And I know you care about me. Of course. Which is also Absolutely. like, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that feels like that doesn't seem that obvious. Like there are, there are a lot of people that I've been working with for years and that I've been caring about and like loving for years mm. who like don't give a shit about me. Mm. Like, I mean, I think but we that's probably just all life. have that. Yeah, that's yeah. just life. But, uh, but I know that you care about me, which yeah. is like, See, that's all you it's need. pretty you need valuable qu- to Quality me. over quantity for yeah, sure. It, but it's, it's, it's fairly precious to me. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I really that. value it. Well, I value it too. <laughs> <laughs> moment. Friends. Tender moment. It is. It is. <laughs> I, I can't, I, it's so important to me. It's really precious. Um, were you saying something else? We had fun making our videos. Oh, did yeah. you want to say anything else about it? Since the people listening are like my listeners. Um, do you want to tell them anything to like <laughs> look for or like, uh, or anything you want, like any of the listeners to know about like what you were thinking about or like what, um, I don't know what was like fun to try. Well, we do, we did this concept that you came up with where it's more, like the loops, um, which took me a minute to grasp because I just want to make like a narrative (laughs) short film music video. Uh, but it did give me some freedom, creative freedom. And 
and so I think it's just so, it's such a unique experience because it's, and I've been telling people about it and uh, about your album and saying how it's so well thought out and connected and it really is uh, a story and it really is uh, a piece. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping and I, I'm pretty confident that the videos reflect that same. They, I'm sure they do. Same I've feeling. I've only seen one that I'm sure <laughs> they do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, you're just a badass and it's <laughs> just that <laughs> thank just you. queen queen emily ryan thank mm. you so much <laughs> i think i'm going to release this episode like the week so i'm the hallowed wide the single's coming out tomorrow um and then i'm not going to release another single until like the end of october i think mm-hmm. but i i think um i'm going to build like a like a little email experience with oh, cool. some like extra because i mean yes i thought a lot about writing this album yeah, and I and I know how much you've thought about it <laughs> well did I did I tell you you were like the first person that I like played everything for yeah you were the yeah, first when you person came over to hear and all played it on the piano which I think is like I'm gonna sell those recordings <laughs> <laughs> please don't your piano didn't even have a pedal I and know. it was hard for Still me to it. play them uh, what was I gonna say I had oh, something sorry oh it's just okay wait I have two things the first thing is I feel like I wasn't thinking back then I mean I knew I wanted to collaborate with you, but I wasn't sure yet like what was going to be possible. Mm -hmm. Everything felt very like hazy. Yeah. And I was still just like finishing the writing because I think I came and played the songs for you before I was totally done writing. I had like maybe one or two songs left to write. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I think it's really saying something that like I came and talked about them with you before I talked about them with Jed, <laughs> like, or, you know, like, yeah, I, t- I take um, that as a cause I, I, I really felt like, which Jed did an amazing job. Yeah. And Jed, Man, Jed so loves me too, but I yeah. think you love me more. <laughs> like, I think like we understand each other better. Um, yeah, actually like one of the things that I really love working with Jed, well, Jed about, hasn't driven back and forth to Boise with you. That's true. Times, so. We have done, <laughs> We have spent 30 hours in the car together, which is a certain type of a bond. A road trip bond is a certain kind of a bond. Also, on one of our trips, we drove back that night and then you were just like so sweetly sleeping and just snoring snoring. a (laughs) tiny little bit. And then I just felt like, oh, that's that's my friend Ryan. (laughs) I'm just taking him safely home. (laughs) And I felt very like protective. Um one thing I like working about with Jed is like he we're really different. And so yeah. he and I I I choose him for that job on purpose mm-hmm. because I know he'll do something that I want to have happen, but I don't know how to do yeah. by myself. That's super um, important. And we have really different uh we we've gotten to a place where I think we understand each other like really well, which feels so good. Um but we, yeah, we definitely have different levels of like um sensitivity i think yeah like i get a lot more feelings than Mm -hmm. jen gets (laughs) just really good it's good i think i mean i think he would agree um but yeah but i but when your project is fragile and new you have to be so careful who you show it to yeah and i just I just knew that you were like a safe person to like oh, talk about that. my <laughs> brand new project with. And then what else was I going to well, say? Cause I get like, I get it. Like it's, it's scary to, 
put yourself out there and put your art out there. Yeah, and especially when like those little tiny details are so important, like yeah. the little things. And yeah, the first the first short film I ever made. Well, since starting yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Tiger Trap Media, yeah, yeah. Um, has like over 70,000 YouTube views now. And I th sometimes I think about that and it's terrifying because yeah. I'm like, that's like, that was like my first one. It was good I didn't though. know what it I was doing. It is good. And, and that's like the one that I'm getting the most attention for. And I'm like, that's not even like <laughs> I yeah the no, good I, one, you know, but, uh, I, I, yeah, but yeah, it's, it. it's nerve wracking and you kind of never know what, who's yeah. going to see it, who's going to judge it. And you just kind of have to lean into it. Totally. So well, yeah. The thing um, I was going to say is because I spent all of this time leaving little breadcrumbs and like weaving like perfect little moments. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to like explain it. So, oh yeah. So I think like, so I'm planning this, like this series of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to release your episode that week. So oh, it's like cool. a fun, like extra fun thing that we can oh, fun. You know, just like, yeah. Talk about like this and I'll, and I'll um, include all 12 of our videos oh, sweet. in that as well. Um, but you better the, watch it. The public won't get to see it until like a year. That's impressive that you have that foresight to release slow release, trickle release things like that. I think I learned that I have to because it's. I'm always like, it's done. Look, everyone. <laughs> or I'm I like, mean, it's I, not even done. Look at these <laughs> graded still frames I, I did. Um, I definitely have some of that. Yeah. But it it hurts too much to have it be over like that. Yeah. It it, it like it's a little soul sucking to me mm. to just like, I, it's too, like, it's too precious of a thing to like, Oh yeah. You got to yeah. finesse it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, and also like, I would like to keep talking about it for a full year. Yeah. Why not? You because spent a I year making it right. Or more, longer than that. Yeah. And too much money. Yeah. You know, like, oh yeah. yeah just like, <laughs> and I need to like rest, like yeah. talking about something that's finished over a year is also like what that is also is, a break. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's got to feel amazing instead of talking about something that you're going to do is yeah. talking about something that you already did. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I, I've never done this before. Like mm -hmm. I, so the, it, like when I released masks, it felt gross. And part of that was cause it was a global pandemic and my album was called masks and it, <laughs> there were a lot of things going on. <laughs> so unfortunate. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. And one of my, one of my songs is about viruses. Did you know that? Hi, right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I wrote it like three years before the pandemic, but it's called host and it's like this metaphor and the whole song is about viruses. Like it's mm. like a virus as a metaphor for like, because of, you know, a host is like a, a very clever mask for a virus Yeah, and the album's masks. Anyway, it all felt a little icky mm. coming out in May of 2020. Yeah. And it was like, I've been working on this for five years mm. and these are stories that I've been like, trying my whole life to figure out how to yeah. tell and then it's just like there it was and there yeah. it went and i just it's thought like i'm not doing this to myself again well, yeah, it's kind of more for you anyway it seems like like you yes. needed that i really did and, and that's why i started writing the hallowed wide so quickly because i was like i needed to tell those stories and now that they're out chapter goodbye. closed yep. yeah <laughs> let's exactly. move on and let's make something like sparkly and shiny yeah. and fantastical and whimsical which is really where my personality would like to live all of the time. There you go. See? Yeah, it feels much better. So you're doing like the same thing I did, just in a different way. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, audiology, 
all those other things, chapter closed. Now I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing yes. what I really want. Totally. Actually, I think that me like majoring in music, but still holding on to like all of those kind of old values has made this transition, which really does feel like a transition to me. Um, blurry and ambiguous because mm. it was like it's always been you've always been doing music but yeah. I feel like I'm really trying to kind of like stake a claim in like a a different value system mm -hmm. and but kind of keep doing all the same type of work but just approaching the work with like values that feel more accurate and mm -hmm. it, sometimes it's a bit of a mind fuck for me yeah but that's good yeah right? it is <laughs> it is. not it's not but there's constant reevaluation and kind of like, am I doing that old thing or is this a new thing? Yeah, or nothing is certain. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's a good place to be. Um, will you talk about like what you're excited about lately? Like what you're kind of. Yeah. So, um, so I've been working on the video team for Lifetime Products. So I, I'm doing all their like video and photo content um, with a great team. So that keeps me busy as far as like a commercial side of things. Um, but even so even in within my world of being of doing film yeah. I still have like my busy work like and my creative thing. work and that's awesome and that's normal it's yeah. that's always going to be the case but um so like you know it's one of those things where like a bad day at work is still better than yes <laughs> the best that's day in my I last job about my like my this these Wyoming Montana gigs are like they're hard yeah but then it's like I just work worth doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been shooting this, um, TV pilot for like since March, maybe it's cool. kind of been ongoing. Um, it's this talented screenwriter from Utah, uh, UVU. And, um, he, he has the whole series written out. He has the whole show Bible and everything done. And so we've been shooting the pilot episode with um, intent to pitch it and try to get it funded and greenlit. Cool. Whether or not I'll be shooting any more of it after the pilot is up in the air. Yeah. But it's been a fun project. It's been stressful because it's been ongoing so much. Yeah. Um, and, but it's been a great opportunity for me to just, again, experiment and grow in confidence and grow in experience and, um, so we're coming up on finishing that finally soon, hopefully. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. It's called, um, Lake Bastion. Cool. And so look out for that. But, I, uh, I'm currently writing, I'm always writing stuff. With, of course you are. And, you know, so that when the day comes that somebody, some producer, somebody says, what have you got? Mm -hmm. I have something. Yeah. And cause I just have ideas and I want to write them down. Yeah. Um, but what I'm dying to do, it's been too long. So it's been about a year since I made like my own original short film, my last original short film. And I did two that were both for this competition. And, uh, one of them took sixth place in its category out of like 3000 submissions, jokes? dad jokes. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. Listeners. <laughs> we'll link it. I'll link it in the show notes, but Ryan's short film, dad jokes. It fills me with such joy. <laughs> it's so funny. I love it. Which anyway. is, I, you know, I was, I didn't expect to do a comedy either. That's what I mean, though. But like, you tell all these different kinds of stories and you tell them all so well. It's 
kind of crazy. I appreciate that. I'm trying to do like a short film in every genre. Yeah. Just to do it. And then just to basically be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is, this is what it's like to shoot action. This is what it's like to shoot comedy. Luckily for dad jokes, I had my buddy, Josh Gibson, who you should interview him. I would love to. Um, He and I served our missions together in Mongolia and he, he and I kind of went through a similar transition out of the church and he's a filmmaker. He's actually been doing documentary stuff and got his degree. He got his film degree. But what he really wants to do is be an actor. Mm. So he's trying to pursue his acting career now. Yeah. So that's kind of his new chapter. Cool. And so part of it was, you know, I wrote dad, dad jokes with him in mind Yeah. as a way for him to show off how funny he is because yeah. he's, he's genuinely funny. But he killed it in that. And he like yeah. made that film so great. And so I'm excited for him because I'm like, dude, if you showed this to me, I would hire you. So yeah. like, I'm excited for him to have that in his reel. But we did, he's a t- very talented, dramatic actor too. Wow. So I'm excited for him. Uh, Josh Gibson. Wait, you said you were about to tell us about um, something you yeah, mm. are excited about yeah. making. So um, I'm just, di- so there's that same competition is happening now. And so I'm okay. currently writing something for that just because awesome. it's a huge cash prize and I can't not do it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Especially since Dad Jokes did so well last time. But it's kind of killing me too. Cause it's like a three minute time limit and three minutes is such a short time to yeah, write a meaningful a story. story. Yeah. yeah. And but you can do it. I've done it like three times and I've hated it. You <laughs> have time. done it. You have done it but, three times, uh, which is also like you have done it three yeah. times. And I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> what I'm dying to do is just make a longer form short film. Mm. That's mine. That is as long as it needs to be, that is the story it needs to be, the pacing it needs to be, that I can, that I have no deadline. I can spend the time on it. So I have a few, few that I've written that I'm basically deciding when, um, how, because I do want to get more funding for those and actually try to get funding. I've been writing a TV series that I'm really excited about, um, that again, debating on how I'm going to, yeah get that greenlit. That's hard. It's the funding. It's always, it comes down to the money. And what people don't realize is how expensive it is to make films, even short films. And not only because of the gear and everything, but just if you want people, because I want to pay people, you know, I want to pay the people on the crew and pay them what they're worth. And that's the hardest part. Really hard. I can't even imagine. I mean, I know how much it costs me to make an album that I feel good about. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's a ridiculous amount of money mm-hmm. for like what my income is. Right. Ridiculous. Right. But right. also like, well, I what feel, is there to do? Yeah. You know, I feel like, like I have to compete with a lot of these, um, cinematographers who own these cameras, like the area, like so many LF that's, you know, it's a hundred thousand dollar kit. Yeah, yeah. And, and they have the package and the skill to use it. And I'm like, how do I compete with that when right. I can't, I can't buy that. Right, right, <laughs> I right. can rent it. Yeah. But even that is $1,500 a day. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's the challenge, but I, I'm writing a lot so that when the time comes, I can jump on it and, yeah. and make it and that I can, uh, you know, I, I believe a lot in pre-production and preparation and, and that, there. that, when opportunity meets preparation, yes. that's when magic happens. And totally. 
so yeah, I, and then this feature film that I'll be shooting next month. Um, That's so cool. Out in the middle of nowhere. I'm excited about I'm that. So I just read the script today. You. So really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, okay. I ask everybody like two questions at the very end. So we have those, but before mm-hmm. I do that, is there anything else that you want to talk about dying to soapbox about dying to brainstorm about in well, let's talk creativity. about the vaccine. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, but any, you know, just any thoughts you have. Let's talk about know, the Taliban. Art, yeah. Th- listen, there are things going on. I know it's. I got a news alert the other day. We don't have to talk about this, <laughs> but I like woke up to this news alert that was like, like the Taliban is in Kandahar or something like that, or is taking Kabul or whatever. And I was like, is this like? What year is this? Is this the 90s? Is this, is this 2001 again? Yeah. Like, what is going on? Um, yeah, but we well, don't need to talk about that. one thing we could talk about, if you want, is like, do you have thoughts about like how we can, like how you justify like making art when like that kind of thing is going on? Is that something that you like think about? Oh, yeah. I Especially working in the medical field and now being a filmmaker. Yeah when you work in the medical field, even in audiology, you have this inherent, like I am physically making a difference in somebody's life. You know, it's yeah, tangible. I'm not, they're not dying if I don't treat them, but yeah. I'm improving their quality of life. And, and I've, I've listened to so many podcasts with cinematographers and directors and I've read a lot. And I can't remember who talked about it, which is bad. I should remember, but they talked about how important art is and how it is sustaining and how it is. And, and again, you can get really pretentious with it. (laughs) Like basically actors, uh, like Hollywood actors saying why they're essential. But, um, but I do, I do believe it is. I think art, whether it's music, um, painting, drawing, you know, or film, any art form, is critical to the human experience always has been. Um, and I think it's just innate in us to create some people. Art is making a movie. Some people it's writing a song. Some people it's debating. Some people it's having a child. I, you know, that's a form of creation. That's a form. I think being a parent is art. Uh, we have to create. Yeah. And, um, I, I think we'd, ex- yeah. I think we'd just expire if, if we didn't have that. You I know. think so too. Do you have, um, thoughts about how it is that you're able to like bring kind of like tenderness and gentleness to your work? Just maybe something that like, I don't see a lot of people doing and certainly not a lot of men. Hmm. Like, is that something that you like value and try to do or is it kind of just like that's your nature and you're not thinking about it I think part of it's my nature um part of it's how I was raised and I just think I don't know I that that's what I'm drawn to I think um I'm drawn to films that have that yeah that touch yeah that finesse you know my favorite director is um Right, or at least currently, is Denis Villeneuve. And, you know, he's Dune is coming out, and he's mm-hmm. directed mm-hmm. that. And he's done things like Prisoners and Sicario. and um, Sicario is so good. Ensemble. So good. Everything yeah. he's done is amazing. Yeah. And I think, and he did Arrival, 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a sci-fi movie. He does movie all these so films much. that are kind of large scale. Yeah. But they have such intimacy to them yeah. and they have such like a, you can like feel him in, in it. Yeah. And when you listen to him talk about it, his process and, and you read what he said, I mean, he's so passionate about every film he makes and he, it, he does, he has that delicate, tender yeah. touch. Yeah. And so part of it is just that it's that's my inspiration. Yeah. 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 Do you like, do you feel like you like work to apply those kinds of values like outside of your creative work too? Like, do you, do you value that kind of thing in like just your day-to-day life? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I'm a bulldozer. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just, I mean, you're, it's clear that you are that gentle in your life. I just, I think I'm wondering if you like mean to be. No, whatever. I'm a very alpha male. <laughs> I'm really scary and really tough. I am intimidating and... I mean, you can be intimidating and also very gentle, but... No, I, I definitely believe in being a balance between strength and confidence yeah. and gentleness, yeah. I always feel like tenderness and gentleness are so much harder to do. Like, yeah. they take so much more self-control and creativity. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I really think about these kinds of things like just every day. Like to me, it feels like a practice, like in the same way that like meditation is a practice, like going about the world, like with a creative eye and trying to think like, who are these people? What are they doing? What is this place? Like what beauty is there to be like found here? Like in the grocery store, like Mm. in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, Yeah, like, what, where are like the little treasures like yeah. in this day or, you know, in this conversation? Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to be, to balance caring that much and being sensitive to those things and being creative and not getting like walked on. Yes. And I think yeah. a big part of that is, I, you know, I probably sound like a broken record, but finding that purpose in yeah. what you're doing and like, I don't know. Yeah. For me, it takes work to be confident in my experience. Yeah. How do you do it? I mean, what do you, th- what are your thoughts? It feels like a <laughs> great thing to yeah, end on. I know yeah. it, it is. It takes work. Um, and a lot of that comes from. How do you do it though? Like unlearning, what? you know, yeah. uh, unlearning what I've learned my whole life and yeah. going, getting through traumas that yeah. I had as a kid and, um, I know it's, I didn't talk about a lot, but it, it sounds like my childhood was great, which it was, but there was definitely a lot of dark stuff. And, um, and that all ties in, but I, in my experience, especially lately, I'm a big proponent of like optimistic nihilism yeah, where yeah, yeah. I kind of just feel like none of it matters anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, I do, I grew up my entire life believing that I needed to live a certain way so that I would achieve something after. I know it's crazy. And so I, I now I, I don't believe that at all. I believe that this is what we got. Yeah. And if there is more great, Yeah. but I'm not going to live my life assuming that. And so I think having that kind of a nihilistic approach does help me feel confident in that this is, this is what I have. Mm -hmm. I'm going to live in the moment. Yeah. I'm going to be more present 
and I'm just going to go for it. Like, it's the cliche is life is short. And it is, though. It is. Like, it's not only short, but it's like minuscule. I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but when my mom died, I felt that like it hit me like so real. Mm. Like, there is just nothing. It's just yeah. no time at all. Yeah, this is all and we like, have. like, every single little tiny moment, like, deserves your care like you know and I I really mean that I I think yeah I I also feel like I'm in recovery like Mm -hmm. from a lot of that stuff like I think we're probably it's probably another thing we kind of share just like we're the same age and also kind of going through that peak of things like at a similar time maybe and Mm -hmm. kind of hitting like a lower point at a similar time possibly and um yeah I think I think I'm like I'm kind of like a like, I, I feel like I'm a very optimistic person, but I get accused of being pessimistic all the time. <laughs> really? Like pe- people tell me I'm, I get accused of being negative all the time, but I think it's because I'm very just like, I think I'm, I don't know. It's like, it's maybe the same thing of like, there's a weird blend of like, it doesn't matter. And it all matters yeah. so much. Yeah. Like it's like a, it's like a, instead of being like in the middle, it's like the two extremes. Yeah. Like it's like, dar- it's like dark humor. Yeah. It's like, it's like nothing matters, but isn't that great? Well, and yeah. Like <laughs> one of the ways that I kind of think about it is like, I love this kind of like generous approach to the world. Like it's so much fun for me to like go throughout the world, seeing wonder and like mm-hmm. just like it, everywhere in every like stupid thing, like yeah. just seeing a bird, like carrying something, gar- you know, carrying garbage, like yeah. whatever stupid thing it is. Like, I'm tickled by it. And like, I, I love, I love people and I love having like, like I love having like interactions with people or even like just yesterday I was driving through, I was driving through Wyoming and I was driving through like a part of Wyoming where there's truly nothing. Like I'd never done this drive before, but like nothing, like not a gas station for three hours. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was this guy I, I guess i think it was a guy in a big black truck behind me it was probably a guy and we, we were just like That's sexist <laughs> i think it was a guy but just like on the road like on the road together for like like four hours like wow. just um, little buddies and i really did feel like <laughs> i'm not even kidding like when he like took a different turn than i took i was like and I really felt like well I want to like say hi like I feel like we spent the day together (laughs) and like we kept like passing all like the other cars at the same time and like I really was I really was like I now I just like feel like I wonder who that guy was like I wonder where he was going if it was me I'd be like oh finally that guy's (laughs) not on my ass anymore (laughs) no I felt I really felt and this is this is just like it's so stupid but this is just like what my brain is like I felt like I got it. Like, I got it. I'll help us keep the right speed limit. We'll go five over. You can draft behind me. (laughs) I really, I kind of did. Like, I felt this like sense of responsibility and like, don't worry, bro. Like I'll pass this guy. Like he's going too slow. Like I got it. We'll do it. And I, I really felt like there was like, it was like a little team. And I was like, just being like a little, like, come on, let's anyway. My point is I like living. I like living life. You're more alive than most people is what you're saying. I like it. But I also feel like this lack of reciprocation does hit me in the gut sometimes. Yeah. But most of the time it's the same thing where it's like, I guess it's generous to see people this way, to see the world this way, but it's also so selfish. Like it's just fun for me. Yeah. I just like it. It's very possible that some of the people that I 
like will force an interaction on in my life really just don't want to be talking to anyone. Yeah. Um, but I think that's like, that's like my, my trick about it. It's just like, <laughs> like I just am loving all of it. And like, I hope it's good for other people too. But most of the time I don't, like, I don't need a reciprocation. Cause like the thing in and of itself is like enough fun. Oh yeah. Well, you're not hurting anybody. You're just, if that's selfish, then it's fine. <laughs> I love talking to people at yeah. like the grocery store. And like you have these like beautiful little moments. Like I was at Costco a couple months ago and I, the lady like behind the glass, like I couldn't hear what she was saying. And she like pulled down her mask for a second to like say something to me. And I felt like we were about the same age and like she had braces too. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I also have braces. And like, there's no reason why she would know. Cause like I was wearing a mask yeah. and I was like, I also have braces. And she was like, really? I feel so uncomfortable about it. And like, I feel so weird. And I was like, I know that's why I wanted to tell you, like I have them too. And then she was like, who's your orthodontist? And I was like, Dr. Cook and Sandy. And she was like, what? Me too. Oh, wow. And then it's just like, you know, you that never didn't have known. to happen. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I had a similar experience lately or <laughs> recently where like I was just getting my car registration sticker, which was like six months expired. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I couldn't find a place. I just like found this like random like dump to take it to on the side of the road. And the guy greeted me and he's like, yeah, we don't have a mechanic here, but I can take care of you. Um, and turns out he's from Iraq and we started chatting. I heard him talk on the phone. And so I like, spoke a little Arabic that I remember yeah. it's very little now but we chatted for like half hour about Arabic and about how his kids are like learning English and stuff and and uh he like wrote on my receipt like from your friend Ali and I was like that again like that didn't have treasure. to happen yeah. but I was so glad it did and you know, know. it was great yeah I'm like I hate the idea that I would miss something like that yeah so I just like I'm looking for it all the time yeah. and it just like fills my like every day with like so much like just stuff like it's just well it comes back to the thing where it's uncomfortable but yeah. it's always yeah. worth it yeah yes even if it ends poorly it's yeah. still like it's something it's yeah. like some you kind of a thing you yeah. moved <laughs> yeah totally yeah um ugh, i love it okay i always ask everybody at the end what's your mm -hmm. dream collaboration you can assemble a whole team if you want Oof. sky's the limit that's hard because it because a film is such a collaboration and involves hundreds of people, you know, yeah. so it's, it's hard to answer that with like one person. Oh, you can, but I said you can assemble a team. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who's on your dream team? That's hard. Uh, I mean, I would love to work with Denis Villeneuve. Like cool. I would love to shoot one of his films. Um, I would love to work with, um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, Tyler Sheridan. He wrote like Hell or High Water. Okay. Um, and um, uh, oh my gosh, it was shot in Park City. I love it. Sorry, Wind I River. Can't help you. <laughs> oh yeah, I drove through Wind River this weekend. Oh really? And thought a lot about oh, that movie. That film is amazing. While I was driving through the Wind River yeah. Reservation, and I was do I say Tyler Sheridan? Taylor Sheridan. Anyway, uh, he's a brilliant writer. Any actors I love his you particularly style. feel moved by? Whose um, face would you like to look at a bunch? Whose face would I like to I'm look just, at a bunch? I'm Emma just, Watson. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. Uh, no, I would love to work with Joaquin Phoenix. I would love to work with Leo, obviously. I mean, uh, uh, the, the greats. Yeah. yeah. Current greats, obviously. But yeah. um, honestly, one actor that I really want to work with who's 
less less known. Um, he's in the show Euphoria. Okay. And he. Um, Wait, who does he play? He plays. Oh my gosh, I can't think of any names right it's, now. This is so it's weird. It's Monday night. Yeah. Uh, it's Rue's drug dealer. Okay. Why can't I think of his name? Fez. Okay. Yeah, Fez feels right. Yeah, something like that. And I can't blanking on the actor's name too, but I follow him on cool. Instagram. But I would love to work with him. Awesome. He's he's like my favorite part of Euphoria. That's great. Okay, and then finally, tell people where to find your work. What's, what are your handles? What's your website? Yeah, so uh, my production company, which is just me, <laughs> it's called uh, Tiger Trap Media. And my Instagram handle for that is just at Tiger Trap Media. And that's where I post a lot of still frames for my work. Um, Including some pictures of my face. And Emily's face <laughs> is present <laughs> on that page. Uh, my website's tigertrapmedia.com for more of my, like commercial work and everything but for just my cinematography it's just ryanmargetts.com and i have a youtube channel go subscribe to it tiger trap media on youtube i need to post to it more it's (laughs) hard my plan i'm gonna start doing more like tutorials and stuff and i'm gonna start doing some scene recreations cool um just as an exercise and and just yeah i it'd be great to monetize that channel yeah just to have some income from that um you need like a minimum a thousand subscribers and I have like eight sixty. So mm, go subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. give me the bump over that bump. Yeah. Even if it's two dollars a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean really though, like that kind of thing gives you it just gives you something. Like Oh yeah. It's like a it's like a beacon. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Lil Ryan, I love you and I'm glad you're my friend and thanks so much for doing my podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.